Hello, Cole. How you doing today? You mailed in my company a postcard a few weeks back requesting information on prospects that had huge upside potential with very little downside risk. Does that ring a bell? Oh, yeah, I may have said Okay, great. Well, reason for the call today Andre. is something just came across my desk. Andre. It is perhaps the best thing I've seen in the last six months. If you have 60 seconds, I'd like to share the idea with you. You got a minute? You can't deny his offensive output. He can play. And we need people that can play. Who do you want to talk about first? None of them. Stu. We got 38 home runs and 120 RBIs. Guys, you're still trying to replace Brinkman. I told you we can't do it. And we can't do it. Now, what we might be able to do is recreate him. Recreate him in the aggregate. The what? Bregman. His on-base percentage was 477. Biggio's. His on-base, 324. McNeil's. Which was 291. Add that up and you get... Do you want me to speak? What up point of you yet? 1092. Divided by three. It's 364. That's what we're looking for. Three ball players, three ball players whose average OBP is... 364. Wait a minute, that doesn't look right. That doesn't come out right. That's right, Artie. Don't sign him. What? Billy. This is adamant. He can't hit the curve. Oh, Christ. How long? How long are we going to listen to this? I don't give a damn what Billy says. We've been tracking him. Ashton. He says he can hit the crap out of anything that's tossed to him. This kid's a godsend. He... I stand with Billy. So I say we sign the pitcher from San Diego. We are not passing on games. Last time I checked, that's my decision. Yes. No, I'm sorry. It's just... Sorry, Pete. <clears throat> Better be right. I'm right. Welcome to the inaugural episode of That's the Way Baseball Go. I am the owner of the Oklahoma Schooners, Matt 2.0, and I am joined by my co-host, founding member, commissioner, owner of the McKinney Knights, and statistician extraordinaire, Ashton. Welcome to the first episode. Are you ready to drop some knowledge and premium content? I'm ready. We need more podcasts. Everybody should do podcasts so that we're all not pissing Stu off, and I would say Brenda, but he kind of shows up, kind of doesn't, so I'll just put it all on the shoulders of Stu, so let's add some more. Yeah, I mean, with the with Zach and uh, Cole supposed to be recording one, how many of these uh, podcasts do you think uh, end up brenda where you just do one episode, but you keep your name on it forever, and it just goes on without him? It's true. It's basically like he just has trademark rights and just gets royalties. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Uh, we are That's the Way Baseball Go. 
uh, if you're familiar with the uh, saying from Ron Washington. Yep. That's the way baseball go. We had to give a throwback. Matt and I thought like a lot about names. We had many things trying to build around making it funny with expansion in mind and all kinds of stuff. We thought about designated for assignment for a while since we're just the, the, cr the crappy host compared to what Stu brings to the table. But at the end of the day, we felt the callback to that's the way baseball go was fitting. So that's what we'll go with. Just a name. Doesn't really matter. But it can't beat Ron. Yeah, we don't, we don't have the fancy equipment and uh, the streaming setup like Stu. So we're just going to have to make do with uh, whatever we can find. Yeah, total noobs to this. But uh, we do have a good show today. And the reason that this is really coming together is because there's so much stuff that I do in the background and Matt is doing in the background to help me. It's not just me in the background. It takes both of us to do a ton of stuff. And there's a lot of manual crap that we have to do sometimes too. And Matt helps a ton with that. But with all of this access to data and the stuff that we're doing, I figured Matt and I, considering our work, we'd put together a show that was maybe more from a, a, a data-driven approach, but not necessarily like end-all, be-all. And we'll get into that and make our qualifiers when the time comes. But I figured we have a few podcasts a year. Uh, maybe it catches on, maybe it doesn't. But at least this one, we definitely wanted to use this free agency period that we just went through to really dig into the data and really look at each team. Uh, there's many guys in the league that have different approaches, whether it's Cole with the Scrota or Zach, where he's taking a uh, 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 a read of the room based on interviewing and hard questions and compiling all that together for entertainment. We thought we'd take it from our perspective and, and dig into the data and try to come up with a, a formula that determined where people sit from a, a data perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always interesting, you know, when you got a couple guys throwing darts at a, a dart board in a dark room uh, versus people who have like well-developed or, or brought out plans, for uh, sure. especially for those that everybody thinks are throwing darts uh, at a dart board in a dark room when they actually have a developed <laughs> plan. Yeah. <laughs> And, and if this model that we've kind of created here is good, it, it might shed some light on that. I think there's definitely some areas where some people thought they turned out better than they they uh, originally did. And then there's others that maybe will look at this and go, wow, I look way crappier on this than maybe somebody else's. This isn't the end all be all. This doesn't necessarily mean anything, but I think it's a, at least a good read. So we're definitely going to go through, we're going to hit every one of these teams and talk about quite a few things um, and review what they've done and look at some key metrics. Uh, then after we review all those guys, let's take a look at those winners and losers and maybe some more higher end uh, statistics and, and uh, different points of uh, interest. And then at the end, we'll uh, wrap up by uh, taking a look forward to the 2003 free agency, which we all hope is going to be an in-person event. Uh, the year of Mike Trout. So. That should be uh, interesting to look forward to here later on. As long as you have cap space. It's true. Uh, and there's definitely teams that don't have cap space. Uh, one of the shocking things from this overall free agency was the cap got spent and the contracts got filled. I don't think we've had more cap spent in a in an actual uh, cap environment. We've had contracts give, given out uh, with taxes and things like that. And I'm sure uh, Andre and uh, Zach know all about that with their compounding interest that they were paying back in the day. But I, we, we, we damn near filled the entire bucket. I think we're like 97% filled of cap. So uh, there's a lot to cover here. A lot of guys got contracts, a lot of guys got signed, a lot of long-term deals. How does that impact, you know, the future, et cetera. So 
we'll uh, definitely dig into it. Definitely. All right. Do you want to go into uh, an explanation of the uh, point buying method that was developed for this? For sure. So as we review each one of these teams, we're, we're basing this on a point buy. And what I mean by that is we took a look at what your team was before free agency. So your roster was frozen, all of your moves and everything leading up to free agency has been completed. And then we're going to take that snapshot and compare it to what actually occurred in free agency. So at the end of it. And what we're looking for is point by. And what we mean by that is what does your optimal lineup look like? Meaning as you're acquiring players, you're spending and accumulating cap. So how many points did you insert into your optimal lineup? Meaning catcher, first base, second base, third base, shortstop, three outfielders, one utility. That's one area. And then the second area, we take a look at the pitchers and we look at them in an inclusive way saying, let's look at how these pitchers perform as a staff and spread that noise across. So maybe you have really good ones, maybe you have some really poor ones and kind of weight those back to the middle with, with more of a, a linear average look. So once those are filled, then we're able to see how many points did you buy to get into your optimal lineup to come up with a figure to determine, hey, your point on any given day should be around about this amount as we look at each team based on a player always playing or something like that. We know that depth is valuable. We're not necessarily digging into depth and looking at the value of that depth. Uh, and the reason for that is, is I think there's so much happening in a league. There's so many transactions that depth can be cured relatively easily as separation begins in the standings. Uh, for instance, I, I, I think Andre is a master at this. When something needs filled, he fills it. So that we ignored. And what we really wanted to do is look at the, the core of a team and determine what that worth was. How many points are you buying to make yourself better? Does that make sense? Is that a good explanation? Yeah, I think that's a good explanation. And I know there were a couple questions about where uh, the data for the predictions came from. Sure. So this... Without going exaggerative and getting really into this, we created projections based on a conglomerate of information. So that's included information from fan graphs, from fan tracks, from streamer, from zips, from all sorts of different areas to be able to get an accurate depiction of, of a consensus of how somebody would project. Again, these are projections. These projections don't necessarily mean that they're even accurate, right? We know all sorts of circumstances can occur with injuries, and uh, you know suspensions we've run into that before uh, all kinds of things so we're trying to get a look and, a, and assign some type of a value to that player whether or not it holds maybe they underperform maybe they overperform it's unlikely that they're significantly underperforming or overperforming those would most likely just be outliers but in general, this normalizes and puts everybody on the same plane to be able to get some type of analysis of determining where teams currently stand going into the season or rather the open draft and what holes they need to fill. Because we will get into that too. Not everybody has a full optimal lineup and some of those teams are knocked for that. So even these are subject to change after uh, the uh, open draft. Definitely, definitely. I mean, there's, there's absolutely no accounting for what happens after the first pitch is thrown whether a guy goes out there, breaks his penis, or, you know, you've got a sleeper that just like shows up and, you know, the MLB forgets to test for PEDs that week and he just goes ham. So it's true. There's a lot that can go or a lot that can happen in a very short amount of time and throws all this out of the works. So really for, from our perspective, I think we're doing this to say, we have a, snap, a snapshot in time. Let's just take a look. What, what does this look like with some you know, relatively statistical educated guy. 
All right, well, let's go ahead and jump into it. We're going to start out with the Amherst Minutemen. Under my tutelage, you will grow from boys into men, from men into gladiators, and from gladiators into Minutemen. Behold! Pyramid of Greatness. I've been developing the Minutemen. Pyramid of Greatness for years. It's a perfectly calibrated recipe for maximum personal achievement. Categories include capitalism, God's way of determining who is smart and who is poor, crying, acceptable at funerals and the Grand Canyon, rage, poise, property rights, fish for sport only, not for meat. Fish meat is practically a vegetable. Haircuts, there are three acceptable haircuts, high and tight, crew cut, buzz cut. Are the scissors broken in your house, son? Their pre-free agency, uh, they started out with 15 contracts, a total $80.95 cap hit, which left $19.05 for them to spend during this free agency event. Prior to the the event, um, their hitters were returning 10.97 points per game. Their pitchers were 14.27 points per game uh, for a combined 25.24 points per game. That was with that cap hit uh, and that many points per game, they were spending about $3.21 per point uh, that they would earn. Per per fantasy point per game. Yes. Um, Which is the equivalent, just so we can clear that up right away, is say you have, like, let's just go with, like, Yon Moncada, who was worth maybe roughly three fantasy points a game last year. I I don't have it on hand, but essentially what this figure is is saying per dollar that you spend you're buying one fantasy point per game at a, per dollar and so per fantasy point per game for cole was three dollars and 21 cents yeah they had um, those 15 contracts were uh, yon moncada tyler glass now marco gonzalez michael kopek key brian hayes matt manning alex krilloff carter kiboom dustin may spencer howard jared Kalinick, logan gilbert Trevor Larnich, Nico Horner, and Josiah Gray. So the uh, they had uh, plenty of men on their roster there. A lot start. of those, yeah, a lot of those guys. He ended up, I guess, clearing off either on. And some of these teams have had this where the they've either optioned somebody or they've they've in, uh, put them on injured list. And those types of designations were reflected in these depth charts that we've created, which is essentially. Um, like we talked about earlier, the the optimized lineup, saying these are the best fits based on positionality of these players, where they could fit. We're maximizing points for this optimal lineup. Yeah. I think one of the the key factors here is to note that uh, all the, all fifteen of those contracts only cost them twenty five dollars and twenty five cents. You remember the cap hit was eighty dollars and ninety five. Uh, a lot of that was because there were $17 in DFA players and $38.70 in retained contracts, yeah. the highest in the league, uh, and the uh, impetus for some uh, discussion about rule changes <laughs> as, as it comes to uh, retained contracts. Trying um, to save them from himself. I Does- mean... It won't matter next year. It'll all fall off. So Cole had to be tight with his with his money, and uh, or not maybe not tight with his money, but it had to be uh, you know shifty with how he spent his money to increase his uh, overall points. Um, yeah, I think I mean, of his of his depth chart of the players that are under contract, meaning his his pre free agency before he signed players in free agency. Three of them in 
uh, Key Brian Hayes, Alex Kirilov, and Yo Moncada, they all actually exist in his depth chart as a optimized depth chart. And then from a pitcher's perspective, Kopech, uh, Gilbert, Gonzalez, Cortez Jr., Gray, and Manning, those all, um, actually not Cortez Jr., sorry, um, but all the rest of those uh, were already on his contract. So uh, going in there, uh, roughly call it half or so of his roster for optimization was from existing contracts. Yeah, and I think it's also important to point out that 12 of his 15 contracts were all 50-cent contracts. Yeah, all um, those rookie guys. Yeah, so um, he's he's managed to uh, to bring in some some young guns, I guess. Um, we'll see how that works out for him uh, as we as we go on. Um, the projections for them are pretty varied, but they're on the relative low scale of uh, of all of the projected points per game that uh, uh, across the league. So during the free agency event, he signed Robbie Ray, Byron Buxton, Tyler Molly, Ty France. Matt Brash, Nasty Nestor Cortez, and Jared Wall. So he had uh, $18 in signings during the free agency event. Um, the Probably the most notable of these would be uh, Robbie Ray. Right, the, right. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, he did pick up four of those guys on three-year deals. Uh, nothing here crazy money. Robbie Ray's on a three-year deal, but at 675 Buxton at 550 for three. Ty France and Matt Brash both on three-year deals for a dollar. Like These are all easy, mitigatable contracts that are not going to burn his cap long-term. And most of these players slotted in, I believe... Of the, how many total free agency signings did he have? I guess it was, what, seven? Uh, all seven of them made it into his optimized lineup. So he did fill gaps where he was needed. Um, the the only issue with Cole is that his optimization does not include a shortstop or a catcher. So the open draft clearly going to be targets for the Minutemen to be drafting uh, such players. Uh, he does create a pitcher rotation of nine, which is... As we've done some analysis, the the pitcher concept of building lies somewhere between eight and nine if you're non-stacked. If you're stacked, that you can play with that a little bit differently. Not every stack, of course, is something that you want to own. Just ask me. I own the A's. So <laughs> it is what it is. But uh, when we're focusing in on these stack or these uh, uh, pitcher uh, inclusions where we're just saying, here's your entire starting pitcher core, uh, those need to be somewhere at eight to nine. Anything less is going to be problematic because it's going to technically drive your your points per game down because as we get further and further and there's less players, those players are going to be worth less and less hypothetically in projection. There could be a couple of guys out there that would increase you. But in general, you're going to see a dwindling on your fantasy points a game from that, that core. And there's a couple of guys and we'll hit that. Um, Cole went from 15 contracts up to 22, so he maxed out. He spent $98.95, so he almost maxes out his cap. He left $1.05 on the table. Not really that big of a deal. Uh, his hitting uh, per points went up to 20.02, so that's roughly about a nine and change uh, increase from pre to post. His pitcher points per game stay uh, went up about a point. Uh, I would I would tell you that most of the time these pitcher points are not going to go up more. Uh, they should float somewhere around, uh, the, you know, within one to two points as things are added. This typically is because you have really high ranking guys that are uh, really strong projections and then other guys that are just kind of like replacement or maybe below replacement. So this typically goes down, but uh, he did a good job of adding that simply because 
Um, he got a big boost from Robbie Ray, who had a, a 19.08 projection. Um, Tyler Molly with a 16.87. Uh, Nestor and Matt Brash kind of rounded out his free agency pitchers that added to his uh, overall uh, optimization at the replacement level of 14 and change and 13 and change. So overall, he increased about 10 points. So he went from 25.14 fantasy points a game to 35 points uh, per, uh, for a fantasy matchup. That's an increase of 9.86 while spending $18. And thus uh, his free agency point by it, which is that uh, fantasy points per game per per fantasy point per game uh, is $1.83, which is uh, about half the cost of what it was prior. So he made the most out of his $18. Yeah, $18 that he spent. Uh, and overall, collectively, his roster through optimization is now at $2.83 uh, uh, per fantasy point uh, a game. So at his depth chart, he's missing that catcher and that shortstop like we talked about. He injected Jared Walsh at first base, who's projecting at 2.61. Ty France at second base at 3.06. Keep Ryan Hayes at third base at 2.66. Byron Buxton, free agency ad, uh, at 3.38 points per game in the outfield. Alex uh, Kirilov, who returns from last year in the outfield, in the second outfield spot at 2.69. And then here's the interesting one. Uh, Cole brings in a prospect who uh, appears to be likely making the team. Uh, we did do our due diligence here to see how prospects would affect and what their projections were. Uh, most prospects were ignored because they were not going to come up until later. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, however, does make the cut here at his third outfield spot at three points a game. And then rounding out his bats at the utility spot is the return of Yon Moncada, who's projecting at 2.62. That's how he gets to his 20.02. Now, if he can get a couple of replacement levelers, uh, replacement level guys into that catcher and shortstop spot, that's probably worth somewhere between four to six points. So Cole's looking maybe after free agency, being able to boost that up another four points or so, or getting close to the four. 40 point threshold uh, mark, which would be kind of important. Um, I believe right now um, Amherst is actually the lowest. Yeah. Comparatively. And, yeah. And we'll definitely, we'll look at that uh, in the next segment. Uh, the big thing in here though, is uh, the only thing that Cole really lost out to other teams was Willie Adamas. Uh, otherwise uh, everything in was Jared Walsh, Ty France, Robbie Ray, Byron Buxton, Tyler Molly, Matt Brash, and Nestor Cortez, all for 18 bucks. So um, in terms of what he's done, I, I don't see anything wrong with this. Cole's in a rebuild. He's got a lot of talent to assess and a lot of guys that could hit and come up. And this could look very different come, you know, midsummer. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is my third year. And I've heard that uh, Cole's been in rebuild every year since then. So um, you know, I mean, honestly, when you look at it, the fact that he's got so many guys on 50 cent contracts really is a testament to the fact that he has been building. Um, whether these guys are worth a damn or not remains to be seen. But um, in reality, the, the fact that he's got um, that many players on 50 cent contracts really does speak to the fact that he has been building. Yep. I think, I think we'll end up talking about him for 2023 because a lot of stuff comes off and he's going to have a lot of cap that he can dedicate to certain players, similar to like what I did. I, I would foresee Cole being active in 23. Definitely. All right, moving on. We have the Brooklyn Brewers. Because it's the B, the R, the O, the O, A. L-Y-N is the place where I say the B to get all the O, the O, A. Who began with 15 contracts, a $93 cap hit, 
$7 in cap space. Um, his overall uh, fantasy points per game, uh, combining uh, hitters and pitchers, was 41.28 um, fantasy points per game. Uh, and he was spending about $2.25 um, per fantasy point earned. So this is an interesting one because there was very little wiggle room for Brooklyn. He sat with Shane McClanahan and Garrett Crochet, who needed contracts, uh, but he had no cap space. And so it involved having to move Rice Hoskins out. Uh, that was in a deal with me that I don't honestly recall what the deal was. I know it included Tanner Huck and some other people, but um, so he clears up some cap space, got his rookie guys signed, and then had a little bit extra to go try to juice. So the interesting thing here is with, with him, uh, he sat on Nolan Arenado, Jose Altuve, Randy Arizona, Aaron Judge, Lucas Giolito, Zach Gallen, Gary Sanchez, Marcelo Zuna, Alex Verdugo, Zach Davies, uh, Danielson Lamette, Didi Gregorius, Clint Frazier, Shane McClanahan, and Garrett Crochet. So now he's got seven bucks to spend in his optimized lineup. And he fills out the entire offense. However, his his pitching, he's short pitchers. I believe he's only got seven. So he's there are six, rather. So he there, there's some guys that he's going to have to bring in, which will knock him down. But his pitchers do have a pretty good uh, overall uh, score. He only injected two guys into optimization. So with seven bucks, it's not like he had a lot to fill. He kept his window open, and he brought two guys in, both of which are very productive players into a lineup. So um, he brings in Anthony Rizzo on a three-year deal at three bucks, totally reasonable. Chris Bassett on a three-year deal is at $2.50. That could be a sleeper pick and, and really incredible value, especially with the projection uh, that we'll get to here in a moment, uh, sitting there behind all those uh, Mets. And then Carson Kelly, he brings back on a two-year deal. Carson Kelly does not, however, get into his... Um, uh, optimized lineup as Gary Sanchez took that spot. So in his depth chart at catcher, he's rocking Gary Sanchez, who's projected at a 3.32. That's really good for catchers. I don't recall where that ranks, but that's quite high uh, for catchers. I think that actually beat out JT Real Muto, but we'll get to that when we get to SC a little bit later on. He injected Anthony Rizzo at first base at 3.33 points projection, Jose Altuve at a 3.70 remain or comes back from last year Nolan Arenado same 3.32 Didi Gregorius 2.92 Aaron Judge 3.43 Marcelo Zuna 3.34 that's a big one that I'm sure he's happy to have back and all that's behind them now and so he'll get inserted into a very nasty uh Atlanta Braves team Randy Rosarona at 2.85 and Alex Verdugo at 2.83 rounding out the utility so overall 25.71 is where he was at before inserting Rizzo took him up to uh, 29.04 and then from pitching Chris Bassett comes in there at a 16.67 projection that's that's much higher than um uh what do you call it replacement level to uh round out the guys that he had from last year with Giolito and Gallon and McClanahan Lament and Davies yeah it ends up being the third highest um projected points uh, out of all six of his pitchers mm -hmm. um and uh, yeah, definitely is was a, was a good ad. Um, you know, when you when you look at this, I think that uh, this is a really good example of one of those teams that had to do a lot with a little, um, and he was successful at doing a lot with a little. Um, the the Carson Kelly pickup is, um, you know, I, I guess some some backup for if uh, Gary Sanchez goes down, yep. um, or you know has an off day if if they're not pitching that day. 
um, that would be the only one, honestly, that I would question. But I mean, at a dollar fifty um, yeah. for two point two three points, uh, that's a solid catcher um, pickup in a in a you know low point area anyway. If you're gonna nickel and dime it, you could have said he probably could have used a dollar fifty on an arm here, just because his his arms are are light. Uh, maybe that changes, but uh, it. It's a buck fifty. I mean, you can't hassle that. Over seven dollars, he inserted guys. He has a window. You know, this is kind of this is kind of his last hurrah at it before a lot of money comes off for him, and he's got lots of cap next year. And another guy that could be a player in twenty three in free agency. Definitely. I mean, I was like, I don't know what the heck he's gonna do um, prior to you know moving and and creating some space. Um, it, it was kind of a big question of it's like, well, he's fucked. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, he he did a damn good job with what he had. For sure. Um, notable guys that uh, are out, so they, they ended up going to other teams, was Nathan Eovaldi, Frankie Montez, German Marquez, Wade Miley, Kyle Gibson, and Justin Steele. All right. So that is the Brooklyn Brewers. Let's get through to Chicago Communists. In recognizing a communist, physical appearance counts for nothing. If he openly declares himself to be a communist, we take his word for it. Prior to free agency, they had 12 contracts, uh, $55.90 in cap hit, which left them $44.10 in cap space. Their combined hitters and pitchers fantasy points per game was 29.92, um, which was $1.87 um, for that cap hit compared to their cap hit. So Chicago also maxed out to 21 contracts. They also maxed out their space and uh, used all of their cap at 100. So nothing left in terms of cap space. So um, the big the big difference here is Keith has been slowly building over the last couple of years. And last year was the big step forward. And I think after this free agency, this was that next step forward. Um, he brings back Mike Trout, a healthy Mike Trout, hypothetically. Uh, Otani's there. Max Fried is there. Trey Mancini, Tim Anderson, Zach Greinke, who's back in uh, Kansas City. That could be useful. Yasmani Grandel, Justin Verlander. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. That was a really sneaky little contract uh, that he burned last year on a two-year deal at 80 cents. We'll see if uh, that reward pays off. Uh, barely any risk of that, of course, but that could be humongous in terms of value. Ian Anderson, uh, Jose Urquide, Joe Adele, who's been since optioned, I believe, uh, by him, by Keith, and then Alex Maneo. So that was what he brought back. Most of his depth chart at uh, an optimized batter's perspective was actually free agents outside of Grandel, Tim Anderson, Mike Trout, and Otani. Um, assuming Otani is is isn't every day here, uh, that remains to be seen. So there's a little buffer and credit being given with Otani in the utility spot, but we'll we'll get more into that. The big additions here are Charlie Moore, Matt Olskin, <laughs> Matt Olskin, uh, Matt Olson rather. Uh, uh, I'm going to butcher this name. Uskar Yanoa, uh, uh, Brian Reynolds, DJ LeMahieu, Colton Wong, Justin Steele, and Luis Urias. Um, hey, pause, uh, go ahead and just say the word Nick Castellanos because it didn't come through. Oh, sorry. Nick Castellanos. Well, <laughs> say it again. Nick Cast- Castellanos. Okay. Nick Castellanos. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if we look at his depth chart uh, from a batter's perspective, he's up to 30.45 points per game. Just from hitters, uh, I, we'll see where that ranks, uh, but that's clearly the highest so far. He's rocking Yasmani Grandel and Ketra at a 3.1 projection. Matt Olson at first, 3.65 projection. DJ LeMahieu, 3.42. Luis Urey is at third base at 2.83. Tim Anderson, who he brings back at shortstop, 3.25. 
Mike Trout, who's back at a 4.40. Can't go wrong with that guy. Uh, Nick Castellanos at 3.23. Brian Reynolds rounds out his outfield at a 3.17. And then like we talked about, Shohei Otani as his utility player. We'll see if he gets to use him that much. Uh, he does have options here um, and, that he can put in there. So I wouldn't imagine that fluctuates too much. Uh, but yeah, 30.45, that's a powerhouse offense. On the flip side, he technically lowered his difference between pre and post free agency. And that's kind of like that effect we talked about where like, you know, as you keep adding guys and pitchers fall off, you you know, you have to take some hits here. Uh, Max Fried, Zach Grinke, Justin Verlander, Ian Anderson, Jose Urquidy, and Alex Manoa, those guys all come back. At, and, and your big guns here is Max Fried at a 17.34, Alex Manoa at a 17.07 projection. Justin Verlander projected at a 16.46, uh, Ian Anderson 14.93, Zach Grinke 14.12, Jose Urquide, uh, did I already say him? If not, 14.70. Sorry if I doubled that up. And then it adds two free agents here into Charlie Morton at 16.27 and then Uskar Yanoa at 14 points. Uh, he does round out and hit that mark where we like that sweet stop, sweet spot between eight and nine pitchers. And so uh, everything looks good here. Total averaging out about 15.61 there. So post uh, free agency, add those two together. He's sitting at a 46.06 fantasy points a game. That's a really good looking team right now. Yeah, I mean, a 16.14 point per game increased. Um, Most of that, the the vast majority of that coming from uh, the new batters uh, that he was able to bring in. Um, and you know, the, the funny thing is he's got a lot of these guys on a one-year deal, um, next year, um, he's losing from the contracts that he previously had, um, prior to free agency and the contracts that he's got, uh, he was able to sign, uh, this season. Um, he's got a lot of room. Yeah, um, sure. so he's going to be, uh, you know, he's going to be fighting, I think for, uh, some of these guys, you know, he's got to have, got to have room for that trout contract again. Um, you know, he gets to keep Otani and he's got, uh, three other, um, hitters, uh, from his previous contracts that are all on that 50 cent rookie deal. Um, so those guys are going to stay around Ian Anderson, Joe Adele, and, uh, Alex Manoa. Um, so, you know, it, he was able to get uh, a few, uh, two-year and uh, two two-year and two three-year contract um, in his free agency signing the three-year being uh, Matt Olson and uh, Brian Reynolds the two years are uh, uh, Nick Castellanos and DJ LeMahieu everybody else um, are all on one-year deals so um, you know he was he was able to spend all of his cap this season um, and uh, did it in a way that's going to give him some flexibility um, next year uh, and the ability to even be flexible this year, some of those one-year deals, if something's not working out for him and he needs to fill some holes, um, he's got options with those one-year deals, which are a little bit easier to shift. Absolutely. The only notable out for this team is Sonny Gray. And I don't, you know, I, that was filled with uh, guys anyway that were, were probably better options. So uh, I look at what Keith's done here, and I think he had a great offseason. He's clearly got a great plan. He's got to milk the rest of his uh, elite of talent that's expiring here. And like you said, either run it back or or have the room to figure out what you want to do. So he's in a good spot for sure. Definitely. When I was going through uh, free agency, um, I was you know really focused on what I was trying to do. But um, I think he snuck some things in here that, that I wasn't necessarily seeing. Um, so I think he did a, a pretty good job. Absolutely. All right. Uh, next up, we have Patty and the Colorado Cutthroat. Is this the Krusty Krab? 
No, this is Patrick. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Started out free agency with eight contracts uh, at a $45 cap hit, leaving him $55 of cap space. Uh, his combined hitting and pitching points per game was 28.64. Uh, which was spending a dollar fifty-seven per fantasy point. So this is a this is a, a stark contrast to to Chicago. This is a team that is literally in rebuild mode. Uh, Patty was the most consistent that there was in this league. Was there every single year? Last year was the first real you know bad year for him, and this is where it's trying to get rid of uh, some bad contracts or some bad money or whatever he's got to do to really start the rebuild. Uh, it's really kind of starting from, from ground up here. So uh, there wasn't a lot to go from here. Um, he does have Carlos Correa coming back, Kyle Lewis, uh, which he took from Amherst and that's questionable, but you know, you never know. Uh, that's more or less just eating dead money for somebody. Corey Kluber, Eddie Rosario, Elicia Hernandez, uh, Lord Scariel Jr., Matthew Boyd, and Luis come back. So... That's pretty much all of his batters are in his optimization, except for two free agents that he signed. Um, where on the flip side, his pitchers are pretty much all from free agency with only two returners. Uh, in free agency, he got Logan Webb, which is a contentious point, And I'm sure you'll talk about that here just in a second. <sighs> you Darvish uh, on a two-year deal. Zach Wheeler on a three-year deal. John Means on a two-year deal. Uh, Eldoberto Bondesi. On a two-year deal, Chris Paddock and Brandon Lowe on a three-year deal. So in his depth chart, uh, Patty lacks a optimized catcher and an optimized utility hitter. I know that sounds insane. It's just where it's at. So at first base, Lord Scariel Jr. at a 2.79 point projection. Brandon Lowe at 3.20. Alberto Mondesi at 2.81. Uh, Low and Mondesi, of course, were the two free agents that he injects there. So gets roughly six points in there in two spots. Uh, Carlos Correa at 3.18. Luis Robert at 3.34. Eddie Rosario at 3.09. And Kyle Lewis at 2.44. That is the offense. And it's going to need some work in the open draft to fill those holes. So it will get better somewhere between, again, this is probably, I would call it four to five points better. Uh, so you might see about a 25-point offense out of there. Yeah, he needs some milk. He needs some milk. He needs some milk. Uh, uh, and by milk, we mean that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> from the pitcher's perspective, uh, he's holding seven, so he's definitely going to need one. So it's lighter than you would want. Um, so it'll probably slightly decrease, but not too much. He did make jumps, though. So his pre-free agency was sitting at a 13.8. His post-free agency is at a 15.85. So his, it, it does look good. It's not a bad uh, uh, pitching crew by any means. Uh, Corey Kluber, Elicia Hernandez, uh, those guys are both in the high 13s. Logan Webb, 16.85. Again, contention, and I'm sure that's coming. Yu Darvish at 17.73. Uh, Zach Wheeler, the big guy, uh, a lot of risks there, but 19.33 on that projection. We'll see if he repeats what he did last year. John Means at 15.29, and Chris Paddock rounds it out at 14.12. So he adds five arms, he adds two bats, and seven total players, all of which 
by the way, and I think this he may be the only one, but all seven players that he gave contracts to enter his optimized lineup for a total of 36.70 fantasy points a game. Yeah, that's an increase of uh, 8.06 points. Um, and so, I mean, you know, the... Uh, and the majority of those, you know, the majority of, of all points added are going to be in bats, um, depending on the team. But uh, um, it's uh, Logan Webb. So uh, the one that got away, uh, eight, that is a $6 contract. I'm sorry. that's that, that was what I offered on there. You know, when it bumped up to, you know, $10 to get in, I was so disappointed in that. Um, I think Logan Webb is a, a good pickup. Uh, it made me actually, uh, I, I was heartened by the fact that some of you were like, why? Why would you go for that person? Now, I understand that part of that was the fact that he went for $13. Um, you know, 16.85 uh, projected points per game. Uh, a, a solid pitcher um, who's young in uh, the Giants, which was obviously something I was going for, trying for that Giants stack. Um, you know, I thought I thought that, that had he got the contract that I initially offered, I obviously... Um, a little bit biased here to think that that would have been a good contract. The $13 at three years is going to be, you know... It could be bad. It could be... It, it, it could be a stinker. It could be a Caleb Smith. The difference being is that Logan Webb is phenomenally much better. <laughs> like, yeah, astronomically yeah. better. But it could, you know it could end up biting him in the ass and that is not going away. So there's a lot that you're paying for that guy. I'm sure Patty would probably do that over again if he could, but he's stuck with it now and he's going to have to sit $13 a year for Logan Webb. Yeah. And you know, I mean the, the 16 is almost 17 points per game, um, which is a solid pitcher. Um, that's, that's a solid, I'm comfortable every day putting that guy out. So yeah. $13 may be a little bit painful, but um, you know, it's still, uh, I still think it's a good player, so I'm yeah. I'm only faulting him on the amount of money that he spent and the fact that he fucked me out of my stack that I was trying I, for. I, I mean, Patty's sitting in this weird spot too, where he's like half of his roster or half of his cap space is filled next year. So I would imagine that at some point he's he's selling off these guys, but some of these guys with term could be difficult, like Wheeler and Webb and Lowe, et cetera. Like this is going to be difficult to get rid of, but uh, you know, it, it, maybe somebody's willing to take that on. You Darvish at two years, that that's movable. I think at $9, 25 cents, but he's going to have to, he's going to have to do some roster work and try to see what he can do to make the most out of, out of his guys. But o overall, I think we all know Patty's on a rebuild and this will be, uh, you know, uh, playoffs is probably not realistic here yeah i mean i know i joked uh, during the uh, free agency event about john means and being a uh, a baltimore pitcher um but uh you know as long as he doesn't pitch him every time that he's available i think that john means could be a a, a very good um pickup a four dollars and fifty cents you yeah. know he's projected at 15.29 uh points per game um, you know, I, I streamed him a couple times last year and, you know, he was worth, um, half the time he was, uh, <laughs> worth the points, uh, that I got out of him. So he, did um, he end up on, I guess, Halton for a while No. Uh, he I think might Halton have owned him for a while, or maybe I'm getting my wrong Baltimore pitchers. I thought he, he held him and means was had a pretty remarkable stretch there for a while. Yeah. It, uh, I think there, I think several people had, uh, John means last year. The only thing that Patrick really lost here was Adelaide Garcia, uh, Mondesi, and Shoop. Uh, I don't know why I put Mondesi. He didn't technically lose him, so we'll just ignore that. So, yeah, he basically didn't lose much of anything. So, I, you know, it, 
it's fine when you're as somebody who is also uh, in the shit shack uh, there's not many guys that you're losing trust me we sent many guys to the open draft we didn't send anyone to you all for contract yeah and i mean uh the i think the best part about when you look at the the entirety of uh the cutthroats um when they're sitting on 36.7 points per game um that's without a catcher that's a, without a uh, an everyday utility yeah. um and it, it's still more than cold it's true that's true <laughs> who who has a i mean uh, a two two missing pieces and a catcher and a shortstop so yeah yeah it's true he could push himself up probably into the 40 points a game range um, and it, it it all is on the backs of those those pitchers i think um his office isn't bad it's just not star power names that you would think of he's got good pieces there that i think inevitably he probably looks to trade and build off of yeah i mean my concern um would be depth a little bit um yes. but you know that's going to be something that you know he's got 15 contracts um so that means that he's got room for um the open draft to, to bring some stuff in and not feel bad about cutting um when he has to stream somebody in the middle of the season i, I agree moving on we have the Dallas Gauchos. In all the world of romance and adventure, there's none to compare with the Gaucho. Here, actually filmed in Argentina, is the first great story of these stirring men of the plains. Pre-free agency had 10 contracts at $49.05 in cap hit, leaving him $50.95. His combined hitting and pitching uh, fantasy points per game were 28.55. Uh, he was paying $1.72 per fantasy point per game. You know, I was thinking about this. When it, Maybe I should give some clarification just in case people have questions. When, when you talk about that combined uh, fantasy points per game, uh, that metric is based off of the projection. So it's looking at pre what you had and then as you make those additions. So you're saying this is where you're at with the given 2022 projections. So that 28.55 is saying, okay, with 2022 projections, that's where you're at. And then now optimize with all these free agents that you signed. So just a point of clarification in case anybody was confused. Um, Dallas has, has, you know, they're running this back. They were in the championship game last year in the Battle of the Metroplex, and here they are uh, reloading and retooling, and um, it's a it's a pretty good team. There, there's, there's stuff here to run it back. Uh, the obvious big loss, of course, is Fernando Tatis Jr., um, who technically wasn't lost in free agency, but traded prior. So it's a loss for their team, and some shoes to fill, but given that this is kind of the that last year window, I think Tyler was looking for an impact bat or an impact player right away. So uh, this team starts out with Bryce Harper, Lance McCullers, Max Scherzer, Bryce Hoskins, Austin Meadows, Sean Murphy, who I think has been optioned, Tanner Houck, Brandon Rogers, uh, Jesus Lazardo, and Jazz Chisholm. The mix here is about 50-50 or so versus the optimized. So taking the guys that they had, they went into free agency and end up signing 11 guys. Let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, okay. 6, 7, 8, 9. So 9 of those 11 end up going into optimization. Uh, so that was a good job for them. So of their free agent sightings, you have Jordan Alvarez, Mike Clevenger, Blake Snell. Clevenger, by the way, just got obliterated, I think, uh, the other day. Uh, Blake Snell, Dylan Cease, Will Smith, the catcher, take my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Yuli Gurriel, Brandon Crawford, Hunter Renfro, Ryan McMahon, Josh Donaldson, and Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, it was 11. You were right. I'm sorry. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. So nine of those 11 
pull in. So uh, did a good job of uh, pulling in some talent here. So optimized, you have Will Smith playing catcher projected at 3.16. That's a really good uh, projection for a catcher. I mean, it's, uh, solid, it's solid as a rock. Yeah, uh, in that lineup, you'll do well. At first base, uh, Rice Hoskins, which we talked about earlier at 3.24. Second base, Brendan Rodgers at a 2.6. Josh Donaldson comes slots in at third base at 2.89. Brandon Crawford slots in at shortstop at 2.64. Bryce Harper at outfield 1, 3.92. Jordan Alvarez at a 3.54. And Austin Meadows rounds out the outfield at a 3.04. And then at, ut- at utility, you have Yoli Gurriel, La Pina, the Pineapple, 3.8. 07. That is a 28.1 uh, points per game uh, offense. That's up 15.3 points, of course, from pre-free agency. He's holding eight arms, which again is that sweet spot, eight to nine. Lance McCullers at 16.75. Max Scherzer at 19.57. Can't go wrong there. Tanner Hope at an even 12. Jesus Lazardo at 14.69. Those all come back uh, from last year and then adds four other arms in Mike Clevenger, who's projected 15.93, Blake Snell at 16.3, Dylan Cease at 16.56, and Dallas Keuchel at 12.58. Rounding out for a total of 43.61 fantasy points a game, and that is a full optimized roster. So this is really moving towards uh, just depth in in the uh, open draft for the gauchos yeah i think a a key point uh in the takeaway is that three of the players in his overall hitting um optimized roster uh yuri gariel brandon crawford and josh donaldson um were all uh brought in under contract one-year contracts under two dollars and fifty cents yeah um so, I mean, that those are all solid gifts. I mean, obviously, you know, he had several other, uh, you know, big pieces in, in uh, Jordan Alvarez um, being, you know, primary at, at $10.50 on two years. Um, but, uh, yeah, the fact that he was able to get those three bats um, at, at a good price uh, yeah. is, it was solid. Uh, he uh, Tyler only leaves $1.70 of cap space on the table, so he did spend to the cap. Um, he's up 15.06 points from pre-free agency to after so he definitely injected points into his lineup here and filled it out and did a pretty good job i think we'll see it but he's gonna slot somewhere in that middle of the road playoff team again uh and see where he can go from there i'm sure this is a uh, this is a buyer and that'll only get better um and his uh total his overall dollars for uh fantasy points a game is two dollars and 25 cents so um that's a that's a good mark uh i i don't have anything negative to say here uh, his his teams that he lost or uh, players that he lost to other teams was Huskari uh, Noah, Chris Flexing, Chris Paddock, and Jeff McNeil. Yeah, I mean, forty three point six one fantasy points per game after the free agency event. Um, no holes in his lineup. Uh, at least uh, right around that that eight catchers. Uh, actually, exactly eight. Uh, pardon me, eight pitchers. Um, you know, it's it's a solid. Um, base and you know there's a lot of room for surprises in some of these guys that uh, you know there, there's room I think that, that some of these projections obviously aren't always going to take into account so yeah I agree all right moving on we have the Fort Worth Fire the champ is here prior to free agency began with nine contracts, $51.30 in cap hit, leaving $48.70 available for the event. Uh, hitters and 
pitchers. Once again, that is the optimized um, inclusive pitchers. Uh, fantasy points per game, he was sitting at 27.51 fantasy points per game or $1.86 uh, spent per fantasy point. So they spend $91.80. This is the first time that we're going to have somebody talk about who left money on the table. Austin's going for the 3 P. You gotta. He ends up going to 17 contracts, so that's up, what, 9? 8? 8, eight contracts. Uh... But that, that mark of 8.20 left on the table hurts, uh, especially considering, eh, or maybe not, because eh, you don't have to really sign a catcher. But there were catchers out there available. Uh, no optimized catcher right now, so expect this to boost up probably between two and three and a half points, depending on what he does. Probably two and a half is, is about where you would expect. Uh, he brings back Walker Buehler, Cody Bellinger, which... I don't know what to say there. Luckily, he's expiring, or maybe not. Who knows? Trent Grisham, Eduardo Rodriguez, Pablo Lopez, Gavin Lux, Dylan Carlson, Casey Mize, and Tariq Skubal. The thing that jumps out right away is uh, the fire retool and bring in some young, controllable, good-looking pieces on very affordable deals there. And those guys are definitely going to have to be in this lineup because there's a few of them. Uh, that are are uh, necessary for his optimization, whether or not he likes that or not. But in free agency, uh, they go out and those eight guys, uh, Kyle Tucker, which was essentially his own uh, buyback, Sandy Alcantara, the, both of those guys get three-year deals. Marcus Simeon gets a two-year deal. Trevor Rogers, a three-year deal. Austin Riley, a three-year deal. And a pretty affordable three-year deal, too. At 350 I don't hate that. I actually quite like that contract. Uh, Chris Taylor gets a two-year deal. Adrian Hauser and Willie Adamas round out his free agency ads. So in his optimized batting, we talked about he doesn't have a catcher. At first base, we're putting Austin Riley at a 2.83 projection, Marcus Simeon at second with a 3.47 projection, Chris Taylor at third base at a 2.62 uh, projection, Gavin Lux at shortstop at a 2.75 projection. That's kind of awkward, and we recognize that. Those two guys may be sharing at-bats or maybe bouncing around. Um, there's so much talent in, in L.A. that this could become problematic for Austin, and he's going to probably address this through the open draft. He's going to need depth to figure out when those guys are in and out. Uh, in the outfield, Kyle Tucker at a 3.72, Cody Bellinger at a 3.29. Based on how spring's going, that seems generous, but we'll see. Trent Grisham at a 2.94 rounds out the outfield. And in his utility, young gun Dylan Carlson out there in St. Louis at a 2.73 uh, projection. That gives an offense of a 24.35. And then we go into his pitchers. Uh, Austin sits on the luxurious 8-9. to nine. He has 8. Uh, brings back Eduardo Rodriguez, 16.06. Walker Buehler, 19.47. We all know the history there in that story. Uh, you get what you pay for there. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Pablo Lopez, 15.86. Casey Mize, 13.29. Tariq Skubal, 14.32. Should be note, that's three Detroit pitchers there. So there's a little bit of a stack going on. Sandy Alcantara at a 17.27. That was a free agency ad. That's a really good ad. Trevor Rogers, 15.77. And Adrian Hauser at 12.83. That one seems a little uh, a little under to me, but... Um, you know, who knows? Uh, so overall, he's looking at a 39.96, call it an even 40, 
with an expectation that he brings in a two and a half points or so. So he's looking very on par with roughly just maybe slightly under what Dallas is projecting. Um, I think they have more challenges though with their depth considering at bats are going to be difficult. So um, he did do a good job. 12.45 point increase from pre-free agency to post uh, marking a $2 and 30 cent uh, dollar per fantasy point per game. Yeah, I mean, I think um, Fort Worth's biggest disappointment um, in this uh, free agency event was si- not signing more Texas Rangers. <laughs> um, I, you know, he got he got Simeon, um, and you know that's a good ad. That seven dollars and fifty cents, uh, I think he priced everybody out on uh, bringing him in. So, uh, you know, he was able to get away with that one. Um, but uh, yeah, it was four of his um, uh, hitters on his optimized lineup are all um, new ads. Uh, three of his pitchers, three of the um, eight pitchers are uh, new ads. Uh, the only odd man out is uh, Willie Adames. Um, so, but he only paid a dollar for him. Well, so, oh, oh, I see what you're saying in terms of the the free agent he gave a I see who's not in the optimized. Yep, got correct. You. Okay. Yeah, Willie Willie's the only one who's not in the optimized uh, lineup um, at shortstop. Although, you know, who knows with uh, uh, with Gavin Bucks, there's there's uh, options. Yeah. You're looking at uh, 2.61 for uh, Willie versus uh, 2.75 with Gavin. So, um, you know, there's options to to switch that out as needed. Yeah. When I look at the uh, guys that you know, he lost out to other teams, um, Yuli, uh, Julio Urias. Um, you know, the, the anglers came in strong. There was nothing Fort Worth could do there. Mike Clevenger, that might not be that big of a deal. Zach Wheeler, that one probably hurts a little bit considering his deal was not that crazy. But um, in fact, did Zach Wheeler go to, where did Zach Wheeler go to? <laughs> was it Dallas? I'm, I'm forgetting now who that went to. Maybe it was, I swear we just covered Zach Wheeler, didn't we? Yeah, he went to Colorado. So Colorado, Colorado, yeah, Colorado paid Zach Wheeler $8. If we think about this, man, where we're standing, there's $8.20 a cap on, on the floor or, you know, in hand right now that Fort Worth didn't spend. Maybe that's not the wisest, but that certainly is something that could boost. And then there's Cedric Mullins here as a bat, J.D. Martinez. That would have been a significant ad considering um, where where his optimization's at. And then also John Gray is out. So really, I don't think there's anything terribly wrong with what Austin's done here. He needs the depth like we talked about, but that 8.20 left out there could have been one if not three players of significant value and it just got caught up and the timing didn't work out for him yeah i mean you know it's always there was the possibility he had 48 dollars in cap space going into this Mm -hmm. and so you know he might have been looking and being like maybe ashton's dumb maybe (laughs) ashton's gonna throw something out there maybe maybe i could you know plug something in here um, you know, so there, there's always hope, and there were there were a lot of names out there. This was a a, a free agency where there were there were some players, uh, you know, a, including ones that didn't get sucked up by you. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> trust me, when we get there, I will need multiple breaths to read up all of the players that I signed in free agency. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Next up, we have the Halton Huskies. Brenda has a beaver, and she's ready to confess. As soft and sweet as it may be, her beaver is a mess. Brenda's beaver's big. Brenda's beaver's hairy. Every guy who's seen it says that Brenda's beaver's scary. We began um, prior to free agency with eight contracts, $54.60 in cap hit, leaving him $45.40 
to spend uh, during the free agency event. His combined uh, pitching and hitting fantasy points per game was 35.02. He was spending $1.56 per fantasy point per game earned. Does that mean Halton's pre-free agency team was better than Amherst's post-free agency team? That by point zero two. <laughs> um, that, that that is like the definition of like competing against a DFA team. Uh, yeah. So after free agency, uh, there's eight contracts that Halton brings in. This is another guy that we're going to have to kill uh, when it comes to leaving cap on the table, especially for a guy who had multiple rule change suggestions around <laughs> cap with long-term injury reserve and various other things, uh, leaves $11.40 on the table. Especially yeah. for a guy who shit on me end- endlessly as I entered in. Now, I recognize that $11 wasn't how much I left on the table last year, but uh, you know he was sure shooting hard, like, you can't leave any money on the table. And I see $11.40. He did. And I think the the... The painstake part of this is here's a guy that maybe Zach Wheeler would have been a good fit and could have paid eight dollars for. I I, yeah, I don't know his 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 thing here, but there's certainly guys out there that could have boosted his lineup, especially since in his optimization he's under that sweet spot. He's only got six pitchers. He's gonna have to address it in the open draft or trades later. Um, but this is another instance, though, where we do see a, a prospect creep into the optimization. I think we all probably know what that prospect is. We'll uh, we'll see. There did not seem to be a belief that there would be service time manipulation here, but uh, I'll believe that when I see it. We did include Mr. Bobby Witt Jr. into this optimization, and we'll get there in a second. The Halton Huskies do bring back the very coveted Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, Rafael Devers, Carlos Carrasco, Dominic Smith, Max Muncy, Marcus Stroman, Wilson Contreras, and Jonathan India, reigning uh, rookie of the year, right? In the NL, I believe so. Uh, that, most of this lineup is going to be split 50-50, uh, except for the pitchers. Uh, only two of those pitchers uh, are returners. Everybody else is added through free agency. So the... Free agents, as we run down here, were Corey Seager on a three-year deal, 11 bucks, Paul Goldschmidt, uh, Kevin Gossman, Tio Oscar Hernandez, Kyle Hendricks, Nick Pavetta, Ryan Yarbrough, and Adrian Morjaw. So when we look at his bat optimization, uh, we have Wilson Contreras at catcher, $2.50, or excuse me, not $2, 2.56 points, Paul Goldschmidt at a 3.34 projection, Max Muncy at second base, 3.41, Rafael Devers at third base with a 3.54, Corey Seager at short, 3.75, Ronald Acuna Jr., of course, outfield one at 4.25, Tio Oscar Hernandez, 2.98. I do want to make a note, the best available for his optimized lineup, because he can't actually fill it, was Dominic Smith at a 1.98. That surely won't be the player that goes there. He's going to draft somebody or look for somebody in the outfield. I would imagine that that can raise by at least a point. Um, so overall, his post-free agency bats are at a two, 29.47. That is um, you know, near the top of the league right now from what we've covered. And that could go up to somewhere between like 30, 30 and a half to 31, depending on who he could replace Dominic Smith out with. Unless maybe he's high on Dominic Smith, I don't know. But uh, from a projection perspective, that could get better. At pitcher, we have Carlos Carrasco and Marcus Stroman returning at 16.68 and 14.67 uh, respectively, and then the four additions of pitchers at Kevin Gossman at a 17.92, Kyle Hendricks at 16.02, 
Nick Pavetta at 13.84, and Ryan Yarbrough at 12.70. Again, that's going to go down a little bit. Uh, we'll see how much, but uh, it'll it'll decrease a little bit simply because he probably needs another two starters or so. Overall, a 44.72 fantasy point a game, and we're saying that could go up again. Uh, you know, that puts him near the top with with uh, near Chicago, not exactly next to him, but uh, just just slightly underneath him. Uh, all all in all, he paid thirty four dollars in free agency, left eleven forty on the table, like we talked about, for nine point seven. Uh, fantasy point a game increase. Yeah, I mean, the addition of uh, Nick Pavetta and uh, Ryan Yarbrough, uh, he didn't pay much for him. Uh, 275 for Nick Pavetta and 50 cents for uh, Ryan Yarbrough. They're only, you know, on one year contract, but honestly, that brought his potential fantasy points per game down um, at 13.84 and 12.7 um, projected uh, points per game. Uh, you know, that's obviously going to skew some things and, and you know, also missing uh, getting up to that coveted eight um, pitchers. You know, it's, it's kind of a difficult thing that honestly, really, the one contract that that surprises me most looking at this um, is the uh, Paul Goldschmidt contract at six dollars for uh, three point three four projected points. Um, you know, he, he's got Max Muncy in there, which right now, you know, he's slated into second base. Um, you know, Jonathan India isn't really, um, or Jonathan India is in there uh, at 3.13 uh, that could, you know, replace that uh, projected points. So spending $6 on Paul Goldschmidt while also leaving, you know, $11.40 on the table, like that's a lot of money that he could have put into some serious arms. Sure, that's that's seventeen, eighteen dollars if he if he could build around it and trusted uh, India there a little more. Um, yeah. I I don't know. Did I bring up Bobby Witt? That in his optimization, his utility spot, we have Bobby Witt Jr. He was the next best available there. He actually beats out Jonathan India here, uh, who India projects at three point one three. So there's it's no joke there. It's it's a, a useful player, but he doesn't project into the optimized lineup yeah. uh, because of positional workings and whatnot. But Bobby Witt Jr. is projected at a 3.60. Uh, so he does have a prospect that rounds out at his utility. Um, now, signing Corey Seager to a three-year deal while also having Bobby Witt Jr. Got any issue with that? I mean, you know, decisions were made. It keeps them in win now. It, it's something that you can certainly get around. And Corey Seager should do well in Texas. But, but that, I guess we'll see. I don't know. I mean, you know, the fact that, that for all intents and purposes, the uh, Bobby Witt is going to be um, likely going to be the uh, uh, the everyday shortstop for the Royals. Um, you know, he he's hit back to back homers um, in uh, in a couple of the uh, the spring games. Um, you know, he's he's done pretty well. Um, and you know, he's been a name that's been on that list, on that prospect list that's been um, floating around really close to um, really close to the majors for a while. He's been flirting with it. So, uh, you know, I I think there's some some potential there when we look at the uh guys that um halton loses out to other teams too uh he loses you darvish he loses blake snell he loses trevor story he loses john means salvador perez alex cobb kevin biggio taiwan walker tyler molly and jorge soler so there was some significant guys that dropped here i would imagine 
at 1140, um, he could have paid you Darvish 925 at, at that two year or 975, whatever it was that we talked about. Uh, I don't recall the Blake Snell, but I don't think it exceeded $11. I could be wrong. Uh, maybe we haven't got to it yet. So I think there were, there was, you know, some, some, uh, you know, hesitancy or, or, you know, timing didn't line up, but leaving the 1140 uh, for a team that is uh, quite good uh, probably hurts, but it's not going to break him. Yeah, Blake Snell went for $8.50 to Dallas. Yeah, okay. so he could, he could have had either one of those guys if he really wanted to retain. But, you know, these free agencies play out weird. You know, the, the timing is crazy. And depending on how these guys plan or how they do things, if they're winging it, like if you're Austin and you just wing it and you get two championships from winging it, I mean, <laughs> you, you can do it. I mean, I'm yeah. sure Austin will will definitely tell you that the amount of planning that goes into these events for him is probably not like massive research. I know he's well-read and he follows this stuff quite intently, so he has a pretty good idea how to do it off the block. But other guys like uh, like Brenda, I expect, you know, they they have a plan. They, they have very specific things that they want to do and maybe just got um, a scenario that popped up that he wasn't ready for. And so that's why the money's yeah. there. Yeah. No, I mean, sometimes, you know, you had, maybe you had that $11 saved for something else for a specific contract that um, it was just like, oh no, wait, that's way out of my range now. Um, yep. You know, that it happens sometimes. Uh, you think people aren't going to go for very much uh, and, you know, they end up going for $13. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you never Patrick. know. <laughs> <laughs> But he'll he'll do good. He's got stuff. He's gonna go. You know, his open draft is clearly depth, uh, and he needs arms. So, yeah, I mean, so far out of uh, all the teams, he's the second highest projected um, fantasy points per game uh, behind Chicago. Uh, it, it, definitely not the highest out of uh, all of them, uh, but uh, uh, you know, so far um, it's been one of the higher ones. So, all right, moving on. Next up, we have the Los Angeles. Uh, LA people should shut the fuck up about tacos. What's this? Well, you never met one before? Well, they fucking talk about Hey, you like tacos? Let's get some tacos. You know who's got great tacos? Well, these guys have the best tacos. You like tacos, right? Tacos, tacos, tacos. Venice Beach tacos. It's fucking fish steak or cornitas wrapped in tortitas. How good can it fucking be? He's right. There. LA people should shut the fuck up about hiking, too. What's this? Well, you never met one of them before? That's all they fucking talk about. Have you ever been on this hike before? This is the best hike I've ever been on before. Hiking, hiking, hiking. Runyon Canyon. Hiking, hiking, hiking. Just an asshole's word for walking. I wasn't born yesterday. So tacos and hikes. Hikes and tacos. Why don't you have a hike while you have a taco, you fucking asshole? But how are you used to know that hikings and tacos aren't better in L.A.? They are. Aren't they? Everything's better in L.A. Says who? People in L.A. Yeah, didn't you never not notice that people from up here go down to L.A. and then they come back up here calling it L.A.? Is that what they do? L.A. L.A. Thank you. LA. And everything's better in LA. What, never met one of them before? It's all they talk about. What, you've never even been to LA? You have to come to LA. You love LA. LA, LA, Toyota hybrid fucking cars, LA. Oh yeah, you think you know tacos, eh? I'm gonna tell you, you're some kind of fucking asshole. If you think you know tacos, you never had a taco in LA. You think you know hiking? <laughs> you've never seen a hike until you've had a hike in LA. Oh, I hate the weather up here. It's so much warmer in LA. Oh yeah, didn't you not know it gets just as cold in L.A.? It's just a different kind of cold in L.A. It's desert, you know. Point your finger out of your ass. That's exactly what I say. Point your finger out of your ass. Now hold your horses here. Who's to use knows that's ever been to L.A.? What's this about L.A.? Who began with eight contracts, $56.30 a cap hit, leaving him $43.70 to spend during this free agency event. 
His combined hitting and pitching fantasy points per game was 33.48, and he was spending $1.68 per fantasy point per game. This is, you know, going through this process, um, we all have our gut feelings what happened after the event. We kind of do a reflection. And I remember watching the event, and I I think I made this comment to you today, and that was, as this is occurring, um, I, I... because I'm logging it and I'm putting these things in, like I'm getting this burned into my memory and I'm starting to be able to recognize patterns of, like, you know, guys that are getting signed and what they're doing. I remember hating what Andre did. I, I just thought like, I was like, what? Are, I wasn't intrigued at all. It just felt kind of like, yeah, whatever. But then after doing this and looking at the data, I think I like Andre's the most out of anyone's. So definitely hats off to Andre on this one. Um, this was supposed to be a rebuild year, I thought, maybe, but I'll never believe that. He'll burn his assets into the ground, and and then when he's given new ones, he'll burn those assets into the ground again. And I absolutely expect him to do that, especially with where he's sitting. He is missing two spots in optimization here, an outfielder and a utility, and that's significant because that could be three, uh, excuse me, that could be uh, six to seven points of value here. And so keep that in mind as, as we start uh, getting in here. Uh, he brings back Anthony Rendon, uh, Zach Plesak, Ozzy Albies, Clayton Kershaw, Aaron Savali, Frankie Lindor, Joe Musgrove, and Yessi Winker. So in his optimization, this is another prospect, uh, Kiebert Ruiz is slated in to be the catcher. And uh, the research that we did indicates that that will be correct um if it's not uh or if that doesn't come to fruition even though by everything that we read today this is an opening day guy um then it'll be replaced but keyboard is projected at 3.17 uh everybody else in here and why i thought maybe i didn't like what he did often or uh, with this draft was because of his offense he only brings in two offensive free agents and that's george springer on a three-year deal or twelve dollars each and joey Votto on a two-year deal at two dollars each uh, the joey Votto deal is good value don't have any problems with it george springer that's probably market value maybe slightly above market value it, it's, it's really close it's right on the line and you you just have to do that. There's nothing you can do about that. So Joey Votto and George Springer only bats injected into this lineup. So he's definitely going to need more bats. Uh, everyone else, though, uh, was a pitcher. Shane Bieber comes in on a three-year deal. Got to retain him. Couldn't have a repeat of Walker Buehler. Uh, Joe Ryan, who is that top 100 prospect that got added to Major League Baseball last year and then uh, added onto a Major League roster. Thus why he was eligible for uh, a contract. He gets a three-year deal, so that's good there. A um, little risk there at 450, but uh, he's a banger. I think that he'll get his money's worth there. Also, he's on sleeper lists, too. Yeah. I've seen his name pop around. Yep. And he gets to pair him with Bieber, right? Because I'm pretty sure he's a he's an Indian or Guardian or whatever the shit they are these days. <laughs> and then Nathan Evaldi and Frankie Montas both come come in. Um, his optimized batting lineup again lacks an outfielder and a utility. Uh, Kiebert Ruiz at that 3.17, like we talked about. Joey Votto at a 2.95. Ozzy Albie is at second at a 3.52. Anthony Rendon at third at 3.88. Frankie Lindor at shortstop, 3.35. George Springer on on that you know comeback deal at 3.84. And Jesse Winker in the outfield at 3.09. So that gives him a 
uh, for his batters, lacking two spots, which you could juice up another six to seven points to put him somewhere roughly maybe in the open draft puts him at maybe like 28, 20, sorry, 29 to 30 points, which puts him in line with all the other good offenses that we've seen. But the real, the real story here is pitching. He's sitting right on the sweet spot of those eight. Uh, pitchers that he needs. He's got four guys returning, four guys being added. Uh, Zach Plesak, 15.82 is returning. Kershaw returns at 17.75. Aaron Safali returns 15.59. Joe Musgrove is that last guy to return at 16.72. So those are all great projected arms. Then you have Shane Bieber, of course, the workhorse at 20.55. Joe Ryan at 14.84. Nathan uh, Ivaldi at 16.31. And Frankie Montas, which is a great value deal at $3, uh, 17.44, putting his pitching, I believe, ranked in the top. I can't recall, but he's definitely near the top. Uh, Overall, with with two missing spots, he's sitting at 40.68 points. And like we talked about, you add six to seven, he's right there next to Chicago. So what I thought was happening in free agency and not liking versus what actually is translated here, Andre looks to be in a great spot as always. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was able to see prior to joining the league, I was able to watch um, one uh, or at least look at the uh, the lineups of, uh, of the different teams um, on the Fantasy Syndicate website uh, and talking with you. Um, and then, you know, through my first where I was able to find some prospects and watching that free agency event and, and the open drafts and everything. Um, and then finally actually being able to, to uh, draft uh, last year, you know, I, I've always seen um, Andre go after players that I'm like, God damn it. I wanted him, you know? And, and so like, I, I've always seen my alignment with a lot of the stuff that he does. I didn't see that this year. Uh, now, obviously he's got some pieces that have been on the board, um, in the past. Um, and, you know, I mean, you've got, you've got Bieber and Springer, but the, the other people that uh, he signed on weren't necessarily people that I would, would have, I would have dove on yeah. in this, but when you look at the results, uh, you know, they're there. He, I, I should mention, he only added six free agents, which is another reason why I thought maybe he was less active, but a lot of it was due to spending. Uh, he did spend $97 and 30 cents. So he only left two seventy out there. Uh, yeah, that that doesn't kill me so much. There's maybe you could give some guys some deals if you wanted. I know he got into some bid wars and tried to get some arms. I don't think Andre was trying to find the fifty cent to a dollar guy. Um, uh, he had a total increase of seven point two, by the way. So not a huge increase, but he had some big guys there, uh, and that team is significant. And it's going to get better come the open draft when he fills this out. And he'll he's also going to need depth. He's got a lot of picks to make. Yeah. And did you go over the those that were out? Oh, no, I did not. Uh, so he loses Justin Turner, uh, coincidentally back to me. So he was a knight. Then he's a smog. Now he's a knight again. Uh, Anthony Rizzo, Zach Eflin, Nelson Cruz, and Luis Arias. So Nelson Cruz, also a former knight. Yeah, also a former knight. Uh, part of the sweep, in fact. Yeah. Sorry, Andre. <laughs> Oh, man, I thought we were going to make it the whole way through without a sweet comment. We needed one. Just just for uh, posterity's sake. All right, moving on. We have the McKinney Connickets. You don't frighten us, English pig dogs. Go and boil your bottom, sons of a silly person. I'll blow my nose at you, so-called Arthur King. You and all your silly English Connickets. Who began with 
three whole contracts and a dollar fifty in cap hit, leaving him with ninety-eight dollars and fifty cents to spend to his heart's desire. Uh, he began with fourteen point nine four uh, points per game. I say he, you did, which yeah. was spending, which was ten cents per fantasy point. That's what I'm talking about right there. Uh, there was nowhere to go, but up here. Um, (laughs) I don't know, you know, I could have blind drawn and the team would have improved. Uh, there was nothing brought in that was by design. Of course, uh, everybody was on a one-year deal last year. Uh, anybody, uh, that I did have on multi was traded. Uh, I don't think there were many of those guys, uh, a lot of repeats, uh, there was 20, let's see how many, so I have 22 contracts, so I filled them all. Uh, 19 contracts were given, uh, no cap space left, all $100 spent. Uh, Luis Patino, Mitch Keller, and Nick Madrigal are all guys that fill in um, to the lineup. Uh, just for posterity's sake, basically all these guys, because I only have three guys, uh, my roster is being filled out entirely by um, free agency ads. Um, the significant ones, of course, was Fernando Tatis Jr., which was acquired prior uh, to free agency for that Cost control, same thing with Bo Bichette. Both of those guys are on three-year deals. Uh, Alex Bregman uh, comes in on a three-year deal to join the core, so the infield uh, looks pretty strong. Uh, three-year deal to Mike Sororka. Uh, Cal W. Quantrill uh, gets a deal after the meme from last year. Uh, that was the blowing the end of the cap. Justin Turner on a one-year deal. Chris Flexen, Sean Manea, Akil Badu, Salvador Perez. Two-year deal. J.D. Martinez, Adelaide Garcia, Giancarlo Stanton, Abraham Toro, Wade Miley, Jorge Soler, James uh, Caprillian, uh, Luis Urias, the Brewer, and Cole Irvis. So the optimized lineup for my Knights lack a first baseman. There is no first baseman slotted in there. Um, there are picks to be made here. There's uh, quite a few guys on the injury list, uh, like uh, Tatis and, and uh, Soroka, etc. The Knights will roll out Salvador Perez in the optimization at catcher for 2.77. No first base, like I just mentioned. Nick Madrigal gets the second base at 3.03. Alex Bregman at third, 3.81. Bo Bichette at short, 3.64. Fernando Tatis Jr. in the outfield at 4.16. J.D. Martinez at 3.17. Giancarlo Stanton at 2.89 and Justin Turner at 3.14. That is a offensive total of went from 3.03 points to 26.61 points. Um, again, there was no contracts there, so the increase doesn't really matter. Uh, as way of arms, uh, there is a total of uh, nine arms. I had 10, but Shane Baz was originally in here, so it's just going to be nine because it does not appear that Baz will actually get in out of the gate. Mitch Keller at 11.42. Uh, he's like great this spring. We'll see if that, that gets better. Luis Patino, uh, he's actually still trying to earn his spot, so that's to be determined, but he's projected at 9.32. Wade Miley, 4.07 free agent. Everyone from here on down is a free agent ad. Chris Flexen, 14.43. Sean Manea, 16.95. James Caprillian at 14.23. Mike Soroka, 12.95. Cal Quantrill, dub, 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 14.63. And Cole Irvin, 13.85. There is a uh, two through four starter Oakland stack there, I believe is what I did. Um, players lost, Jordan Montgomery, Adrian Hauser, Nick Pavetta, Tommy Edmond. Overall, the optimization puts the Knights missing a first baseman at 40.29 points a game. Higher than I thought it would have been, 
add another three to three and a half points, puts you at 43, probably fringe playoffs, maybe. <laughs> it could happen. I yeah. mean, you know, uh, I, I with, with all the arms that you added, you know, every single one that you added was higher than the, um, the two that you had before. Not that yeah. you had very many, no. but, um, you know, it was a, a solid grab. Uh, Wade Miley, uh, had I had other plans, uh, probably would have uh, seen if I could have um, kept him a sooner or a schooner, uh, even though I uh, did trade him away to uh, Brooklyn uh, to try and get uh, Rodon, successfully get Rodon. Um, I mean, the the punishment that was Tatis and Bichette uh, and the insanity that I don't know how many people noticed the fact that you were grabbing tier ones like they were going out of style so that you could hold that off and decide when you wanted them to come up and how much you could pay them. Yep. Uh, you know, that was, that was pretty solid. Uh, I got to watch that like happen and I was just like, does anybody see this? Like, uh, you know, so that was, that was definitely interesting. Uh, there's not much to say, honestly, with yours because it's literally yeah. like you redid last year. Um, you just came in when you wanted to, um, which, you know, seems to be your style anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, you've got some, you've got some players on here. Uh, you've got, some some serious uh, bats. Uh, we'll see how much of these remain on your uh, roster. Uh, yep. If you decide to trade them out, who knows? Um, so I mean, you you have uh, a large number. We also looked at everybody's prospects and um, if they had projected values for the fact that they may make it up to the show this year. Um, and you actually have a fair number of those prospects that um, are projected to potentially uh, be up again next year. You have a lot of one-year contracts, um, so you're dangerous next year too. So yeah, We'll see. I, I think this year was really more about building core guys that were significant in this draft uh, and looking to do it again maybe next year, adding one or two more of those guys. And then keeping those one-year trains, uh, keep adding value because at some point, you know, like I said, fringe was a joke, right? Like if things went really, really well, maybe I, it was fringe. I don't expect that at all. This is... Wait and see, see what I got, and then when when guys you know inevitably start needing players, uh, I'll have lots of them to go trade and and start retooling that that uh, prospect roster uh, that will inevitably graduate like you like you talked about, and so make sure that I keep keep that farm system high. Yeah, you guys heard it here first. Uh, Ashton intends to run a train on the league. Yes. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on, we have uh, Juan Benchos, uh the New Orleans Storm. This is a, a monumental moment for the Cardinals that we have here in Norcross, Georgia. This is the first ever amateur signing from Asia for the St. Louis Cardinals. So congratulations to Juan Min Cho. Uh, who began with uh, 12 contracts, $79.45 in cap hit, giving him $20.55 to spend. Uh, he had a combined hitting and pitching fantasy points per game of 34.21 and was spending $2.32 per fantasy point per game. Zach spent all his cap. Never doubted that he wouldn't. Uh, he's, he's up eight contracts in free agency. Uh, he has what I think has been confirmed with uh, quite a few people have done this. Uh, Zach's arms are good. Uh, again, 
we said this last year and that didn't seem to be the case but on paper uh he does only have seven so he'll probably want to add one more so slightly ticked down but um garrett cole uh, i know he's 16 bucks but god dang is he um, he's he's got such value at 16 dollars still it's insane um so he brings back garrett cole jack flattery uh jose ramirez joe ram uh, Joey Gallo, Aaron Nola, Luis uh, Severino, Mitch Haniger, Cattell Marte, Andrew Benintendi, who I believe Zach might have mentioned on Discord the other day that he's looking to trade. Uh, I thought, maybe I'm wrong there. Uh, Daniel Lynch, uh, Andrew Vaughn, uh, Broke Dick, and uh, Haswan Kim. Uh, don't think he really factors in anything. Pretty sure he's even uh, sent him down and Daniel Lynch. Uh, I'm as an sure, option. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he only adds um, uh, Asian players to his team. <laughs> To make you say the name. Yeah, that's probably what this is about. Uh, Only three guys from free agency, so roughly a little less than half, uh, are injected into the pitchers and the same, uh, there are three injected into his uh, batting optimized lineups. So in free agency, uh, the Storm add Jordan Montgomery, uh, Eloy Jimenez, which I think was his, you know, his big plan. And he gets Eloy at a $5 deal. Uh, that, That could be a marvelous contract for your scum. Uh, Xander Bogarts, John Gray, Tommy Edmond, Javi Baez on a three-year $1 deal, which is another one of those ones that, I mean, that's great. Uh, that's that's a that's a great get. Adam Wainwright on a two-year deal, slightly puzzling, but 50 cents could get burned next year. Who gives a crap? Uh, Nick Senzel on a three-year 50 cent deal, another low risk. So he's got, he's got some term to guys, but like doesn't remotely hurt him whatsoever in terms of cost. So his optimized lineup lacks a catcher. A lot of guys, obviously. Not many guys are signing catchers. Uh, there's only a few out there worth the contract anyway. Uh, at first base, Andrew Vaughn at 2.28. Cattell Marte at 3.44 at second. Jose, Joe Ram, third base, 4.31. Xander Bogarts at short, 3.51. Mitch Hanniger in the outfield at 3.27. Tommy Edmond in the outfield at 3.07. Joey Gallo in the outfield at 2.57. And Javi Baez at a 2.84 in the utility, giving him a 25.29 fantasy points a game uh, optimized batting lineup. Then his pitchers. Garrett Cole at 21.77 projection. I believe that's tops in the league. Jack Flaherty, 15.95. Aaron Nola gives a huge boost this year at a 19.81 projection. That's rock solid. Luis Severino at 15.83. And then free agency adds Jordan Montgomery at 15.68. John Gray at 14.28. And Adam Wainwright at a strong 16.05. That bumps the New Orleans Storms, who lack a catcher, which you can add somewhere between two and a half to three points, at 42.34, which round them out, put them somewhere in the 45-point range, and he's he's up in that tier. He's not quite Chicago, but he's somewhere around Dallas uh, and and Fort Worth and Halton, et cetera. So, uh, so this is a competitive, and this is definitely a playoff team. Uh, his only losses here are Jorge Polanco, Jared Walsh, and UC Kikuchi. Yeah, I mean, you know, I got Polanco um, from him, but uh, technically the projection shows uh, old Bogarts over there at uh, slightly higher. So, yep. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a decent trade-off. Um, you know, and prior to joining this league, I had both of them uh, on my team. Uh, and you know, it's kind of hard for me to decide <laughs> which one was better, but um, you know that uh, that that loss didn't really hurt him as much. Yeah. So Zach spends roughly just a little bit over twenty dollars for an eight point one three 
uh, increase to his optimization, uh, which is about two dollars and thirty six cents uh, per fantasy point uh, post free agent or yeah post free agency. So uh, another example of uh, somebody spending their money well and adding value. Uh, there's not huge, huge names that went on this list, but good pieces. And he's got uh, some depth pieces that he can use, but he'll enter free agency, uh, excuse me, open draft uh, for a catcher and some more depth than another arm or two, maybe. So uh, he's in a good spot for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, and we all know that he's just waiting for one Ben show to, to get to the show. So for sure, for sure. It's going to be a while, but for sure. All right. Moving on. We have the Oklahoma Scooters. Well, I'll be dipped. Excuse me. We're looking for the assistant manager. Jeff, there's some guys out here. Damn it all, Jeff Jr. I wasn't finished with my nap. Hello there. I'm Hank Hill, and I sell propane and propane accessories, too, in Arlen, Texas. I got to say, I sure envy you. After a hard day's work at a job you love, you get to take your son to see the cowboys. I am so sick of you South Texas pig jockeys coming in here, waking me up to tell me, how about them cowboys? Arlen stinks and Wichita Falls rules. And you know why? Because in five minutes I can be inside the great state of Oklahoma. Go Sooners! What? Go Sooners! Go Sooners! Stop it! Stop it now! This might sound a little bit different. Uh, we had we lost part of our recording, so we're having to go again. So uh, with the Oklahoma Scooters, we started out with seven contracts for a twenty-nine dollars and seventy-five cent cap hit leaving $70.25 in cap space to spend during the free agency event. Prior to the free agency event, the Schooners had a combined hitting and pitching fantasy points per game of 29.54, which was spending $1.01 per fantasy point per game. Okay, so Oklahoma, you ended up with 18 contracts. You had a $92.75 cap hit, which left $7.25 on the table, which is something we'll probably talk about here shortly. Um, you bring back Jake Cronenworth, Jose Abreu, Lance Lynn, Dansby Swanson, Mike Miner, Matt Chapman, and Dalton Varsho. But you made a lot of moves in free agency. So you're picking up, I guess that's nine players or 12 players. That's 12 players. So you're picking up 12 players. And when we look at your optimized lineups, a lot of it is getting tossed in here. So I believe all but two of them get inserted into optimization, whether it's batting or pitching. Uh, if we take a look at the uh, the uh, batters first, first three are guys that you bring back. So in catcher, you're rolling Dalton Varsho out. Uh, we'll see if, you know, th this might be your only year that he's going to remain as a catcher. Uh, beyond that, we'll see what happens uh, with a 2.86 projection. Jose Abreu at first base with a 3.31. Jake Cronenworth at second base with a 3.24. Here's where you get this nice uh, bump at third base with a prospect as Spencer Torkelson is determined to fit into that spot. And he's looking at a 3.28 
projection. Then everyone else down from shortstop, your three outfielders and utility are all from free agency with Jorge Polanco at short 3.19. Cedric Mullins comes in at outfield 3.18. Whit Merrifield in the outfield 3.19. Mark Canna at 3.03. And then Schwarber in the utility at 2.95. That gives you a full optimized lineup and a post-free agency hitter group of about 28 or yeah, 28 and a quarter. Then in the pitchers, uh, you do have eight pitchers. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. So eight pitchers. So you're hitting that sweet spot. There are uh, Lance Lynn and Mike Miner both come back on 17.77 projection for Lynn and a 15.93 for Mike Miner. And then the rest is filled out by what was undoubtedly the strategy around a San Francisco giant stack mixed in with a couple of other guys. So Framber Valdez for the Astros comes in at 16.23 projection. Carlos Rodon, one of those Giants guys that we sought after, 17.75. Alex Wood at 15.02. Anthony Discalafini at 15.53. Alex Cobb at 15.04, and then Kyle Gibson at a 13.66. Somebody who technically you brought back but had traded in the offseason only to regain uh, from, I believe, Brooklyn. Yeah, that was a Brooklyn trade, part of Wade Miley, who you ended up with, and Kyle Gibson. So the only the only uh, guy that you know went to another team that's uh, leaving your team is Logan Webb. Uh, that was somebody that you acquired. Uh, we know that drama there, and I'm sure you'll speak to that pain. Uh, but a lot of stuff in, not a lot out. As I look at the lineup, there's not a lot of just absolute, you know, that next tier guy. But everybody in there is extremely productive. So it's a really good looking offensive team. And there's a lot of good pitching here. The Schooners come in at 44.1 fantasy points a game in their projection, which puts them in that mix in you know the the you know, top five ish, uh, five to six range. I can't remember, and we'll review that soon. But uh, this is a good looking team. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm 44.1 now, uh, and that's with a full full lineup uh, compared to you know that's higher than some of the other guys that we've talked about so far. But you know, some of them had. Um, had holes in their lineup. So we'll see uh, how this shakes out after the uh, open draft. But yeah, it was, it's kind of what I was going for overall in terms of um, my hitters. You know, I have basically everybody um, aside from my catcher is at least three points per game just to, you know, so it's a, it's a solid core of guys that I'm going to have going in this year. You know, Kyle Schwarber at 2.95, I think is on the low end. We'll see how that goes. Having a catcher that's above a point and a half is always beneficial. So Dalton Marshall, if he can actually show out this year, you know, yeah, I'm going to enjoy that last year that he's got of the uh, um, catcher eligibility. Uh, potentially, I think he actually played, I mean, he did play last year uh, in the catcher position. So there's a possibility um, that he maintains that. The big thing I noticed right away, though, too, is that there's a lot of positional coverage. Most of these guys that are under contract have two, if not three, positions that they can play for. So you can really you'll 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 do well with um, as you you grab depth. You'll be able to you know be less uh, restrictive on who you're going out there to pick. You can really just take best available because your your lineup can move up and down all over the place. You know you got four guys that can play first base, four guys that can play second base, a few guys that can play third base, uh, two or three guys that can play shortstop, uh, like five or six guys that can play outfield. So there's a lot of combinations that can that can work with this uh, this offense. Yeah, in my optimized lineup, there's only three players um, in the uh, the hitter group that only have 
uh, a single position eligibility other than utility um, in Abreu, uh, Cedric Mullins, and Mark Canna. So, um, you know, that was something that, you know, I was looking for uh, in, in the past, or I say in the past last year, I got stuck a couple times having to stream some guys. And, you know, I'm sure I will again, you know, this year as, as injuries happen or, you know, we have off days for certain teams. Um, but I like the ability to just move that around as necessary so that, that I don't, I have less to worry about. What about, what about the 725? Let's talk about that. So you, you have 725 left in cap. Uh, we, we killed Brenda over this for his $11. And we know that there's a lot of guys out there that, that could buy, you know, could have been purchased for 725. Do you think this was a timing mechanism where things went wrong and because I, I know the plan essentially and what you were looking to do as you were going into this draft because they ours were so completely opposite being both expansion teams and going in two different routes entirely where I went with a slow you know tulip and you went with a let's get guys that can compete and like be you know competitive right now and, and maybe be able to make a run or, or you know a miracle tech you know, run into the playoffs. So as I look at that 725, was it, I mean, it could have been Logan Webb. You could have had Logan Webb, but it would have been an obnoxious contract. Yeah. I think we all know what happened there, but was it, was it timing? Was it not being aggressive up front and assertive? And it just played out that at the end, you still got the guys that you really wanted outside of Logan Webb. I think you checked every mark of who you wanted and then a couple of other guys. But even the Logan Webb got pivoted with Framber Valdez, who was on a cheaper deal and I think is actually projected slightly higher or or just lower. But they're, they're pretty They're equivalent. within a point. Yeah, yeah they're, they're within a point of each other. Um, so overall, uh, it, it's a little bit of everything. So part of it is is timing. Um, by the time I had $7.25 left, um, I had 18 players, um, and I didn't see, um, a whole bunch of players that I was really excited about. Um, I have, you know, I'll be bringing some people in for, um, the open draft, but, um, I still have three guys, uh, one of them being Torkelson, who, you know, my expectation is, is that he's going to be. Uh, the starting third baseman for Detroit uh, at the opening day. Um, I've got Jeremy Pena, um, who looks to be the uh, the everyday shortstop um, for the Astros. Um, and I've got uh, Joey Bart, um, who looks to be uh, sharing catcher's duties um, in San Francisco. So, you know, I had I had some slots that uh, some of the, these prospects that I'm going to want to bring up at some point. Um, and I definitely needed to make sure, you know, a couple of them will probably be up uh, around opening day. So I wanted to not fully um, kill myself with uh, with contracts, especially because the guys that I have um, on contract, I want to keep. Um, so aside from that, uh, aside from the, the timing um, aspect of it, you know, I generally go into this. We've been looking today at the... Uh, uh, fantasy the the dollar amount per fantasy point per game that is earned, um, and I have a real hard time paying um, for you know a lot of money paying thirteen dollars, uh, paying ten dollars or you know fifteen dollars for a three point player, um, three point per game player if they're not a monster. I mean you know there there are some of the guys some of these guys that are out there, um, the Otani's the Trout's you know the 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 really big names. Um, that are always going to garner a higher dollar amount because of the scarcity of the quality of that player um, within the league. But in general, not, by the time I had $7.25, none of those guys were left. Um, and $7.25 isn't going to buy uh, the king. So um, 
honestly, it was it ended up just being a little bit of a timing. And I mean, if you look at my uh, overall roster, um, you'll see the most that I paid for anyone was um, eight seventy five, um, which wasn't an actual um, original target um, player for me. Um, so everybody else that I ended up with were were all targets. Logan Webb was the only one I lost out on. So the only thing I know here that I would say is that I think you were near one of the best. I I think you were like maybe one of the top three when it came to converting dollars into fantasy points a game. So you spend two dollars and ten cents overall per fantasy point per game for those forty four point one zero fantasy points a game. So um, effective spending. Uh, I would imagine in more cutthroat years or as more experience comes on, you'll be probably a little bit more aggressive with getting rid of that that cap, even if it means, you know, taking on a one year or two year deal at maybe. Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, I could have, could have fought for Logan Webb, you know, at, at that point in time, um, Patty had a bunch of, uh, he had more cap than I did, um, I believe. And, uh, you know, but, but paying more, you know, adding to that $13, um, would have just destroyed my overall uh, strategy of not overpaying as much. I still feel like I overpaid on several of my players, um, even leaving $7.25 uh, in cap on there. Um, there's uh, several people that I was trying to make sure that I uh, maintained their contracts. And honestly, I probably could have got, a, got them cheaper. Um, but, you know, again, the, we're only allowed 22 contracts. So yeah. it wouldn't that wouldn't really helped overall. And moving on, we are going to talk about the Princeton Anglers. Bobby, you're missing the point. We don't fish for the fish. 90% of what I like about this sport, and it is a sport, is sitting in the boat for five hours doing nothing. And the icing on the cake is when God smiles on you and you hook one. And then when you're reeling it in, everything else falls away. You don't think about taxes or traffic or that pushy gal that's trying to get into the Citadel or who's going to take care of you when your mother and I are old and incapacitated. All there is is a man, a rod, a lake, and a fish. And it all starts with a hand-dug American worm. Uh, prior to free agency, had 12 contracts at $58.90 in cap hit, leaving them $41.10 in cap space. The combined hitting and pitching points per game uh, was sitting at 31.96, meaning they were spending $1.84 per fantasy point per game. Okay, so uh, Dane and the Anglers and Brandon and the AGM, uh, as he got him coffee, while these decisions were being made, uh, the, the immediate thing that I noticed is that they lost nobody. So either they had a lot of garbage players, which is probably like, I, I can feel that there's all kinds of people that I threw out for agency that nobody wanted because it was just, you know, bare bones and throwing stuff out there. Uh, but they were able to retain everything that they wanted to bring back. They lost nothing to another team. Uh, they capped out, uh, spent $99.90, so $0.10 cents on the table doesn't really matter. Uh, and they also capped out on free agency with 22 contracts total, up from 12. So they they bring in 10 guys. Uh, most notably, uh, there's another prospect that run, runs in here for the Anglers with Adelaide Rushman. So uh, he'll slot in into their optimized lineup at catcher. Uh, but they bring back uh, some pretty powerhouse guys here in Juan Soto, Noah Syndergaard, Trey Turner, Josh Bell, Tommy Listella, Tristan McKenzie, Luis Garcia, uh, that's the Washington one, Dane Dunning, Brandon Marsh, Austin Hayes, 
Christian Javier and Alec Baum with those last two guys, I believe he has optioned off. Um, in free agency, the, the big splurge here was the three-year deal to Julio Urias at $15 a piece over three years. A three-year deal at probably under or at market value for Pete Alonso at $7 a piece for the next three years. They also get the, the question mark of Seiya Suzuki uh, at a three-year deal at $5. That could pay off and there could be a lot of value there. That's not a bad contract for taking a risk, especially given the position that the English are in. And then everybody else on this is on a one-year deal. German Marquez, Robbie Grossman, Nate Lowe, Enrique Kiki Hernandez, Charlie Blackman, Nelson Cruz, and Jonathan Shoup rounding that out. The anglers, when it comes to their optimized depth chart, when we configured this, um, were able to hit the 27-plus point range. However, they lack a third baseman. So there's, there's room to grow here, probably somewhere in the two and a half to three and a half point range. So they could push this to a 30 point offense, which is near the top in the league, which is kind of funny. Uh, given that I think everybody who's kind of put their two cents in or has done something like Cole or or um, anybody else has kind of really, you know, just said, hey, this is what I felt like happened with some other teams. They all have, you know, pretty high hopes with the anglers, which is uncharacteristic. I know when I talked to Dan the other day, even he was confused that why am I, why am I rated so highly? It, I think there was a plan being taken here. It just happened to be that there's some good stuff here that could produce uh, uh, some damage. So like we talked about, Adelaide Rushman is in that catcher spot in the optimized step chart for offense at 3.05. Pete Alonzo returns into the first base at 3.35. Kiki Hernandez is a free agent add uh, into second base at 2.91. Again, nobody at third base. Currently, that's clearly a target in the open draft or a trade. Shortstop is going to be Trey Turner at 4.01. Juan Soto in the outfield at a 4.45. Suzuki slots in at 3.12 in the outfield. Josh Bell rounds out the outfield at a 3.18. And then Nelson Cruz, old man Cruz, at a 3.23 in that utility spot. Um, you know, with that DH over there, he can just sit there and hit balls in Washington and and maybe just keep those things going. Uh, again, that that could push his, he currently sits at 27.3, but depending upon how he feels at third baseman, this is probably a 30-point offense. Um, when it comes to pitchers, however, they are lacking. There is only six pitchers, five pitchers there. Yeah, five pitchers. Uh, three returning in Noah Syndergaard at 14.77. Tristan, Tristan McKenzie, rather, at 14.25. Dane Dunning at 12.73. Julio Urias at 18.28. And Jermaine Marquez at 16.81. Urias and Marquez, of course, are the free agents that they bring over. So they're at five. Uh, you have to think that this uh, overall, they'll they'll probably drop in points here due to needing to fill out at least, I would imagine, three more arms to get to that coveted eight to nine spot. Um, but overall, where this team sits right now, they're at 42.67 points per game. You know that there's an increase coming with that third base. So you that could bump it up into the 45-point range. It's about how how much can you bring in in the pitching that doesn't totally dismantle your team. Surprisingly, this team is up at the 44, that 45-point range where they could be uh, a playoff team. And that's kind of surprising. I don't think that was necessarily their uh, their goal here. Yeah, they've got a lot of pieces that, um, depending on how things uh, shake out during the season, um, that should be extremely easy to move. Um, and, you know, they've got some other pieces that, that they'll probably hold solid on. Um, and a lot of uh, a lot of expiring contracts uh, next year for this team. Um, you know, uh, three uh, three year deals were added this year for them. Everything else was a one year deal. Um, I like you know their 
the pitchers that they did add, the two pitchers that, that they were able to add during uh, the free agency event, both added significant value overall. Um, both of them are actually higher than any of their previous um, pitchers are projected uh, this go around. Um, you know, he really went in uh, on uh, Suzuki. That's an interesting um, gamble. Uh, you know, he paid $5 for him for three years. So it's not that deep of a uh, of a cut. No, I don't think it's bad. Uh, so it's a pretty good uh, pretty good gamble that, that he can use on that. We'll see what um, uh, Adley once once he finally gets up to the show and and starts catching. We'll see um, how that pans out. You know, three point oh five is I believe actually the highest um, in the league um, for uh, projected points for catchers. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I got left on him is uh, this is that they had a pretty good increase uh, of points, so they they've uh, increased their from pre to post free agency by almost eleven points. So uh, that'll continue when they fill in the rest of these spots. Uh, it's kind of an incomplete picture right now, but even in an incomplete picture, it looks good for the anglers. Moving on, we have the Simcoe County Pilots. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Prior to free agency, they had 16 contracts at $79.81 in cap hit, leaving them $20.19 to spend during the free agency event. Their combined hitting and pitching points per game uh, was looking at uh, 42.86, uh, and that was them spending $1.86 per fantasy point per game. So Jacobs gets all the way to to 21 contracts, so he technically had one more room, but he did spend all of his cap, so no cap space left, $100, $100 spent. Um, this team we all think was probably consensus one going in, and I think the result after we talk about this is that they are definitely the consensus number one uh, post-free agency. Um, this team lost an obnoxious amount of players in Whit Merrifield, Xander Bogart, Sean Manea, DJ LeMayhew, Hyun Jin Ryu, Brandon Lowe, Cole Urban, and James Caprillian. The There's a lot of good meat on that bone there that, that left, but they they brought in five free agents. All five of those free agents end up in their optimized lineup. Uh, so Steven Strasburg, who's on the IL, is on this team. Freddie Freeman, Michael Brantley, James Italian, Manny Machado, Chris Bryant, Mookie Betts, Brandon Woodford, Jacob DeGrom, Michael Conforto, who's still looking for a team. So there's just another guy that he has out there that eventually maybe he goes to a team. I know that qualifying offer is hurting his value right now, but we'll see where that goes. Ryan Mountcastle, David Fletcher, Corbin Burns, Wander Franco, Chris Bubik, and Alejandro Kirk. I believe those last two guys were optioned. Um, they go out into free agency. They get a three-year deal on Trevor Story. Uh, they get a two-year deal on Freddie Peralta, a three-year deal on JT Real Muto, a one-year deal on Taiwan Walker, and a two-year deal on Zach Eflin. So when we look at their optimized offensive lineup, you got JT Real Muto, who's that free agent that slides in at catcher uh, at an even three-point projection. Freddie Freeman at first at 3.94, David Fletcher at second, 2.74, Manny Machado, third base, 3.58, Wander Franco at short, 3.90. Uh, outfielding consists of Michael Brantley at a 3.13, Chris Bryant at a 3.66, and Mookie Betts, who he's paying half of his contract on uh, for this year before he expires for the load up, is at a giant 4.46. And then that other free agent slots in of Trevor Story at 3.07 in the utility spot. Uh, this team currently is sitting at 31.5 points for hitters. Uh, that's tops in the league, if I recall. Um, we'll verify that when we go through the aggregate 
uh, assessment of this, but right away, just looking at that, that's a lineup that could be very problematic for basically everyone in this league. And it's going to be more of the same for Jacob there. From the pitching perspective, Jacob hits that that eight pitching point where he needs to be, uh, eight to nine. Uh, Jamison Tallion at 14.46, Brandon Woodruff at 19.31, Jacob DeGrom at 20.12, Coben Burns at 20.80, Chris Bubik at 12.57, Freddie Peralta, free agency, 17.45, Taiwan Walker was a free agent uh, pickup at 14.08, and Zach Eflin, a free agent pickup at 15.32. Collectively, this team's fantasy point with a complete pitcher, meaning going into opening draft, looking just for depth, is sitting already at a 48.24. That is the highest in the league. Yeah. I mean, uh, any other team that loses um, seven to eight players uh, is going to look decimated uh, when it comes to uh, the, the free agency event. Uh, it looks like it hardly phased them. Uh, you know, it, it actually, you know, they did increase. Their increase wasn't uh, wasn't as dramatic, but, you know, when you start at the top, uh, it, it doesn't really uh, have to increase very much for uh, for good things to happen. Yeah, that that five point three eight point increase uh, was used what spending twenty ish dollars, and they brought in pieces that slotted in their lineup. I think it was a great off season for Jacob, and this is the window's not over. Of course, there's a lot of money that falls off here that he can really dictate how these players hit these markets and really set the price on a lot of these big these big guys for twenty three, which we'll talk about in a bit, but. Um, this he can only go up. I mean, this is a team that's that's got a lot of stuff, and he can go buy uh, and make it even better if he wants to. On top of that, it was extremely efficient. He ended up spending um, two dollars and seven cents per fantasy point per game, which is the lowest in the league. Um, you know, I mine was a, at two dollars and ten cents, so you know we're pretty close. Uh, but if you over, if you look at the overall what he was able to add, uh, you know, he was able to to bring in some some really good players. Um, for that, you know, well spent. If you look, if you look at his uh, free agency contracts, he didn't bring anybody in, you know, over ten dollars. You know, that's not to say that Degrom, who's you know like the goat, uh, or Mookie Betts, uh, you know, wouldn't demand that higher salary. But it's it's um, very similar. Now, Mookie Betts is also he's only paying half because yeah. Amherst gets to pay that other uh, that other half. But uh, you know. It's very impressive what he's able to do in uh, maintaining, you know, spending all of his cap, uh, getting some uh, amazing players, and then uh, you look at the stat lines, and it's it's uh, the biggest thing that I can say out of this is um, I'm extremely happy that he's in the other division. Be tough. Yeah, I mean he's he's the clear cut favorite, and it's it's his championship unless something horribly goes wrong. And we've seen it go wrong before, but he's positioned himself the best. That he could. Yeah. Last up, we have the Toronto Canucks. Uh, Canucks, I think that's how you say it, right? Canucks. Like, you know, I've got a friend that has that as their last name, and they pronounce it Canuke. So, uh, uh, Stewart, he's throwing a rave. I don't know. He says he needs time to set up or something like that. Said something about a low stick Segway saunter across the Rainbow Road level of Mario Kart Nintendo 64. I don't know what the fuck. And you greenlit that Tom fuckery? Had to. Agricultural Hall is low on funds. All day bookings is a big boost for us, so I couldn't say no. Agricultural halls are for agricultural music, not for fucking raves. They began the free agency with seven contracts, uh, $45 in cap hit. Uh, that left them $55 in cap space. Uh, their combined hitting and pitching points per game 
uh, added up prior to the free agency at 22.63, and they were spending $1.99 per fantasy point per game. Okay, so uh, this is one of those ones where I apparently didn't fill out the who came in and who came out. The end's just going to be the free agents, but I, I don't know who went out, so apologies for that. Um, usually there's only a few, and most of these teams have replaced them with somebody equal. It's just kind of changing hands. But uh, they sat on those seven contracts. They bring back Christian Yelich. Um, that's probably a sore point for Stu, considering that could have cost him Vlad. Um, he got close. We talked about this uh, last night, but uh, he put him up right on that fringe. Um, I was prepared to pay 60. I thought it was justifiable. I think other people did not think it was justifiable. <laughs> and I thought better of it, and I just I just let it go. So he gets to keep the jersey and keep it on, uh, and Vlad Guerrero stays. Uh, but that Yelich 18 and not having the production, I'm sure that was in the back of his mind going, I can't wait to get out from under the sky. Or maybe Yelich puts it together this year and it's worth that. Uh, he's also got Luis Castillo, Gleyber Torres, Jose Barrios, Chris Sale, Luke Weaver, and Kyle Wright. In free agency, uh, the majority of his lineup uh, from the optimized lineup is from free agency for offense. And then half of his pitching staff as he gets to the coveted eight pitchers is uh, also from free agency. So with his $55, he made a lot of moves here. Um, he only left $1.50 in cap space on the table. That's negligible. I'm not really concerned about that. He brings Vlad Jr. back on that $22 a year deal over the next three years. Kian Renju back on a one-year deal, Starling Marte at a three-year deal, Kevin Biggio at a three-year deal, Patrick Corbin, Tyler O'Neill on three-year deals, Sonny Gray to a two, UC Kikuchi on a two, Jeff McNeil on a one-year deal, Jean Segura on a one-year deal as well. So when we look at the optimized lineup for offense, um, the Canucks do not have a catcher currently. That will be addressed through uh, free agents or through open draft or maybe the waiver wire, depending. Uh, but all of these guys, but two come out into free agency. So first base, Vlad Guerrero Jr. is projected at a 4.14. John Segura at second base at a 3.06. Kevin Biggio at a 2.49. Liber Torres at a 2.69 returns. Christian Yelich also returns in the outfield at a 3.26. And then Starling Marte in the outfield, 3.37. Tyler O'Neill in the outfield, 2.99. And then in the utility spot, Jeff McNeil at 2.93. For a post-free agency total of roughly 25 points, just a couple hundredths of a decimal point off there. And that, you can assume, goes between, you know, one and a half to three points up based on um, filling in that catcher spot. In the pitching um Group, however, there's eight pitchers here. Luis Castillo, 17.48. Jose Barrios, 17.89. Chris Sale, 18.10. Luke Weaver, 13.25. And then free agent ads of Ryu at 16.03. Patrick Corbin, 15.27. John Gray, 15.47. And Yusei Kikuchi at 14.57. Bringing his total up to, again, needing that catcher spot at roughly 41 points, again, just shy by hundreds of decimals here. So 41, tack on a couple more points, and he's right in that range again where he's looking at, you know, the, the playoffs. I would imagine that he's gunning for a playoff spot here. This isn't a rebuild. This is keeping what you have and adding some more talent to it. He'll go in there and draft what he can. Um, Stu had one of the larger increases from uh, post-free agency uh, or pre-free agency to post-free agency with 18.31 point increase. Uh, and he spent pretty effectively at $2.41 per fantasy point per game. So 
Um, spent his cap, got his players in there, kept the big guys that he needed to keep, and he filled in his lineup. Uh, he's going to be reliant on uh, graduating, hopefully, some prospects if he can, uh, or getting uh, some good waiver wire guys or open draft guys to just keep bolstering this. But he's he's right in the competitive edge with with a lot of other guys fighting for playoffs. Yeah, definitely. What do you think? You know, Chris Sale is his uh, his number one uh, projected uh, pitcher. They projected him at eighteen point one points per game. Uh, what's the over under on him remaining healthy, given that he like fractured his ribs recently? I I'm not even concerned about the ribs. I think it's the the mechanics that we all know that Chris Sale is bound to break, and it finally happened, and now. Show me that it won't happen again. Uh, I don't think he's the best pitcher on his staff. I think Luis Castillo is. Um, I think an argument could be made by Jose Barrios, considering the run support that he's probably going to get in in uh, uh, Toronto. But uh, there's a lot of good pitchers here, and then there's a lot of good guys that are just your reliable guys that you don't have to really have large deviations in scoring points. They're not. I mean, Sonny Gray maybe is a guy that could get blown up, but we, we're all going to have those types of guys. In general, the staff is pretty cohesive, and there's there's good talent there. Yeah, for sure. Um, how how uh, how angry or not angry? How how uh, close really were you to making uh, making Stu cry with Vlad? I mean, it was on the fringe. I, I had no problems. Like I said, I was comfortable paying up to 60. I had conversations prior that day with a couple of people because I didn't want it to be, you know, I, I didn't need unnecessary drama to the league. Like, I'm fine with legitimate drama, but I, I don't need, you know, I, I don't want to stir the pot too bad. I'm fine with, you know, dicking people over and taking their stuff, but this would have been kind of groundbreaking. We haven't seen a contract like that given. I just didn't see the need for it, especially given that I had made the moves to acquire the guys that I ranked that I wanted. Um, I had Vlad ranked ahead of Tatis, but the plan was if Stu were to put him out there at a lower cost, I would have taken anything in the 30s I would have been in on. But as soon as he just broke into the 40s, he was right on the line of where I would have taken him. And I just, I deferred and decided not to. And I think it probably worked out better for me because there's a lot of stuff now that that four more dollars or whatever it would have been uh, got dedicated to, to to trade and keep building. Yeah, you know, um, his overall uh, hitters, you know, he's obviously, you've got Vlad on there for 4.14 projected points per game. You know, he's got a couple of uh, players that are all like just below um, three points per game. You know, Tyler O'Neill at 2.99, Jeff McNeil at 2.93, even uh, uh, Biggio at uh, 2.49. Like, I think that those guys have a little bit more potential. Yeah, that, they're, uh, they're, they're going to be, yeah, they're going to be probably at least three points per game. And that's just going to uh, improve his overall uh, chances this season. For sure. I mean, it's a good team. There's, there's no doubt. He's certainly in the mix, as he always is. So um, I'm, I'm sure he's not exactly where he wants to be, but. Uh, Depending on how things shake out and how trades are going to happen, there's plenty of that he could add to make this. You know, and he's not he's not without striking distance. I'll put that like he he yeah. certainly could go keep bulls. You know, he's got some young guns on the team as uh, somebody else who has uh, you know a number of older players uh, on the team. I'm wondering uh, um, what his opinion would be on on the age of some of his players. You know, he's got uh, he's got some of them that uh, could be. Uh, interesting, but it's overall pretty good. And now a word from our sponsor. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Overzealous Foulball Catcher. Mr. Overzealous Foulball 
You're nowhere close to that foul ball heading for the bleachers. Who cares? You're going for it. Hot dog vendors, old ladies, infants. You mow them over like a diesel-powered combine. Ashamed of your souvenir fervor? Hardly. You scratch and gouge your way to the ball like a bloodthirsty wolverine. You're a feisty rodent. So crack open an ice cold Bud Light, Mr. Bully of the Bleachers. Because why pay for a souvenir when you can fight for one? Mr. Overzone's Scarball Catcher. Bud Light Beer at Isabush, St. Louis, Missouri. All right, we're going to move on now to our uh, summary, looking at these teams in the aggregate and comparing them to each other. Um, one of the first things that uh, um, that I wanted to look at when, when we were talking about this was the overall projected fantasy points per game. Um, when we uh, rank that in order, we have uh, Simcoe at number one, we have uh, Chicago at number two, Brooklyn at number three, Halton at four, um, myself at number five. Um, you know, there are some holes in uh, a lot of these lineups with those uh, projected fantasy points. Um, there are going to be some pieces that I think are definitely going to move. Uh, you've got um, uh, L.A. down in the 10th spot. Yep. Um, and they're definitely, I think... Uh, going to move there's uh there's a lot of teams that are very close together um in projected points uh within the first five you know there's four points difference in uh number one to in simcoe compared to me um but if you look at um even uh i believe it's from dallas uh all the way up to uh brooklyn um there's like a point um that separates those uh Six. Yeah, a group of six, you know, from three, four, five, and six. Um, it's it's impressive how close some of these teams are um, in overall points. Uh, the same thing in, in 9, 10, and uh, 11, and 12, which is uh, less, than less than a point with L.A., McKinney, um, Fort Worth, and uh, – yeah, and Fort Toronto. Worth. Yeah, yeah so um, so all those being so close together. Yeah, Toronto's in the, in the mix at uh, – at the uh is that the nine slot yeah. yeah a lot of these teams are yeah like you said some of these guys are going to be moving up la is one of those ones that'll move up the most they, they have about six to seven points on the table that could push them up i mean they, they depending on what everybody else does up there and if it changes their lineups um la could literally move from the 10th spot to the second spot depending on how this works so they have the most fluctuation available there's a lot of teams that can move up there's a lot of teams that can that will get pushed down because they're already kind of tapped out uh, I think the big notice here is between one and two, there's almost uh, there, there's more than a two point gap. And that's significant because the higher you get up there, the more difficult it's going to become for these guys to catch you. And so if Jacob's already projected two points higher between first and second, I mean, that's that's big. That's that's tough ground to make up. Um, the other the other interesting statistic here is to kind of look at the total increase of point by for free agency. Uh, some of these make sense, some of them don't. Um, like, for instance, I sit number one, I bought 25.35 points. Well, I had nothing. So, of course, my points were going to go high. Uh, the big one that, that stands out is, of course, and we touched on it just a little bit earlier, was Stu in Toronto with an 18.31 uh, increase. And then on the flip side, you have someone like um, Jacob and Brooklyn who had either uh, small margins that they were working with with either cap or roster space. 
And so they had the fewest points that they added. Uh, but Brooklyn only had seven bucks, but they still added a bunch and they kept themselves in the top three of projections as it currently stands. And we'll see how that looks uh, post open draft. But then uh, Simcoe, uh, you know, had 5.38 points increased and and it was really just bringing back or, or filling guys in that were were productive there. So there wasn't a lot of spots to really to really fill. So. Um, overall, uh, it tells a story. I think it normalizes this out. It's not exact science, but you can tell at least with everybody going through the same system, you get a gut feel for when you look at a team where they're standing and, and everything looks about right to me. The top five teams are about the top five teams that I would expect. Um, uh, if you sort that again by uh, the overall projected fantasy under the, the black one right there. Yeah. So sort that descent or ascending. Yeah. So the top three teams are all in the same division. That's something to vote. The next three teams are in the other division. And then it kind of just bounces back and forth, except for when you get to the very bottom, the, the bottom three projected teams, which is Fort Worth, who does have fluctuation ability to move upward, uh, Patrick, and then at the bottom is Cole, are all in that King Griffey Jr. So it's very clear out of the gate even where teams stand post-free agency, that the sentiment around how these divisions were built and that the Ken Griffey Jr. division was much weaker is absolutely looking to be true. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not going to throw out, um, uh, when it comes to Fort Worth, I'm not going to throw out shit stack for that because, you know, he definitely has um, some, he, he's got some ability to, to improve there. Um, but uh, it, it's interesting to see the... Uh, the champion, the the multiple champion, um, be in, in the lower rung overall for projected points. Um, but you know, we all know that <laughs> once the first ball is thrown, anything can change. Um, and he could, you know, zip right up there. All right, let's go, let's go through, uh, let's make a, let's do like, you know, two, three winners and two, three losers a piece. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm going to go right away. I think the obvious winner here in free agency, um, uh, in my mind, is uh, Keith is Keith? Yeah, I yeah. think Keith had the best offseason uh, of anyone, given where he sat across the board. His metrics look great. Um, he's sitting in that second spot. He's building up hardcore. He added a ton of influence to his roster. He was one of the highest in terms of the increase in points. I think he sat third, just behind Toronto and and myself. Which again, I don't even really count myself because there was nothing there. So Keith looks primed. He looks great to contend this year. I thought he had a fantastic offseason. He definitely gets a winner nod for me. And the other winner nod for me is you. I loved your plan. The plan got executed. It took your team up immediately into contention in the top five. And you sit, uh, I mean, decimal points away from being the top in your division. So um being an expansion and already being in that competitive spot. Granted, it is in a weaker division, but you didn't get to choose that. Uh, I think that's significant. So I think those, I think Keith and, and Matt, you are the, the two that I would pick as my winners. Yeah. I mean, you know, if I could sit at, at that five spot um, for the whole year, uh, I would be just astronomically happy. Um, you know, we know that after uh, open draft, that's probably not going to happen, but uh, it definitely uh, was good to come out of that and, and see that executed plan. Um, I agree with you on Keith um, being there. Do you I, think number one overall the best for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, you can't really throw um, uh, throw Simcoe out there. You know, he's he's sitting on top of everything. Uh, you know, he had a really low amount to increase, but when you're already at the top, what the hell is there to do? Right. Um, it was 
it's hard to argue that he wasn't successful with what he brought in. You know, he lost a lot of pieces. He brought some pieces in, uh, maintained some people. Um, so, you know, it's really hard to, um, it's almost, it's almost to the point where that's expected of him. Sure. So, uh, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to dock him on that. Um, but you know, I like, I like some of the growth, uh, that was out there. Um, you know, Halton, uh, as much as, you know, I like to, uh, downplay anything that Brenda does. Um, you know, he had some, some decent growth. Um, you know, Stu definitely had, uh, the, the, I think he was sweating it a lot. The fact that he was able to, to maintain, um, uh, big bad Vlad. Um, I think that he, he was able to, uh, to work. He had a plan for it. It seems like he executed it. Um, I think, I think people like, uh, you know, from what you, you said about, uh, Danny, I think he fell, um, fell ass backwards out of the plane and landed in a pile of roses. So, you know, I think that was, um, pretty solid of him as well. When it comes to the losers of this draft, uh, I think the consensus is pretty obvious. Uh, I think Patrick, unfortunately, had things just go awry on him, uh, kind of in that intermediate, do I build, do I rebuild, did, like the plan wasn't cohesive, and then he probably self would admit that he spent too much money on Logan Webb, and there's still some players there, and there's a lot that he can probably do with these guys, uh, but the problem is there's a lot of term, and that makes it more difficult to trade from. So I don't like the free agency for the cutthroats. Uh, that would be my, and then the next up is, I just, I don't like what Cole did. I don't, I don't see anything there. There wasn't much added there. He was the worst when it came to the, uh, like just increases in terms of um, like where he started to where he was as proportion, not nominally. Um, he's got a ton of stuff that he's dealing with. So this free agency wasn't that big of a deal. He also really didn't have anywhere to go with it because he's got so much dead money. And so that's where I think I would probably knock him for it. If he didn't have so much dead money, he probably could have been in a better spot, but it's, those are the trades he made. Those, that's why his roster is the way it is. And so it's the trade-off uh, just in general, just meh, nothing there for Amherst for me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, overall, uh, Patty, you know, going into the free agency event, I know you and I had several conversations. Patty was the one who scared me the most out of every, everyone. I had expectations yeah. about what you were going to do because you were going, you know, for the big guys. Um, and I saw that with, with what you were doing with your, uh, your overall bringing in those tier ones and, and having that cap space, you know, that you did what I expected of you, um, from, from that draft. I, I felt like, uh, you know, I kept saying, you know, Patty's a wild card. I don't know. He could really be in on like all these different players that I had. Sure. And then we came down to, uh, Logan Webb was one of the last few that I had on my list. Um, and I was like, well. That's not, he hasn't been doing anything. You know, it surprised me that, that he hadn't really dove into a bunch of these other players. And I was like, I must be waiting on you know, something else. He's going to throw some money, some big money at somebody. Yeah. Um, and it ended I'm up not. being Logan Webb. And yeah. I was just shocked. I had that fear from Patrick knowing that he had all that cap. And I go, the one guy that can foil these plans and me getting these guys, you know, I, I, I stuck my neck out to, to have a little bit of risk there to control the market. And that's, that's the trade off. But I was sitting there going, Patrick's not spending money. Patrick's not spending money. Like, mm -hmm. I hope he's not sitting here going, oh, yeah, I'm about to meme Bichette or Fernando or something. Yeah. Um, now, it worked out that, that there were other guys and that probably wasn't likely what they were going to do. Especially when, you know, when we start getting into the 30s of dollars, most people are out at that point. But still, it was in the back of my mind. It just the, the money got put elsewhere. And uh, a lot of it is term. And so that's unfortunate. Uh, but 
it's still movable. I think there's there's some two years there that can move, but I, you know Logan Webb could end up like a Caleb Smith. The only difference here is that he's actually good. Uh, he's young, uh, but still a lot of risk there and, and a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, my other one, it, it would be, it would be, it's so easy to just knock on Cole. Um, but, you know, he's got his, all of his 50 cent contracts that he's over there hoarding. And, uh, you know, he's got all this money that's going to drop off next year, which is just going to make him really dangerous next year. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think uh, our, our reigning champ uh, not coming back and, and uh, being in the mix, you know, uh, was a little disappointing for me. Um, again, I don't think he's going to necessarily be uh, at the lowest of the low uh, as we go through this year. Um and, you know, uh, I think just like uh, I said uh, about how he probably felt, um, you know, I was also disappointed he didn't sign enough Texas Rangers. It's true. It's going to be his downfall. He did have a lot. I think of everyone, and this is probably standard with, you know, these high-end teams, you know, you're hitting your windows. And so Austin can try to keep it going one more year here. He's gone back to back. I can't kill him too hard. He probably lost a lot. Uh, he gained. He, yeah. he had a big increase. It's just that he probably had a lot that exited. So trying to increase that was was significant. Yeah. Um. I mean, he lost one, two, three, four, five. He lost six players. Six productive players. Um. Uh. You know, he had forty eight dollars to spend. Um. But you know, he had to he had to drop it yeah. on a couple of players. And he did leave eight twenty on the table. That's right. I remember that now. So yeah. he he left a player on the table basically. Somebody you leave. He did, but you know he was able to um, to hold on to uh, Tucker, uh, able to you know get Simeon. Uh, so you know it was it was okay. It was okay. It yeah, was, he's still competitive. <laughs> and you know what? I think that, that speaks a lot to um, how this overall went. I mean, we have we've got a couple teams that are. It was just kind of like yeah. meh, yeah. Um, and then you know you got a couple of them that are okay, and everybody else did pretty darn good. Yeah, I don't think anybody just flopped. Yeah. I, you know, like nobody did just horribly here. That, that given the situation, most teams were successful. I just think there were the situations where their cap situation let them flourish a little bit. And what's probably the biggest free agency yet, uh, which maybe this is a good transition point because if you think this one's good, wait until next year. <laughs> yes. Uh, moving on, we're going to talk about the. Uh, the 2023 free agency class, who is falling off? Um, we've got 133 uh, known expiring free agents um, in the 2023 year. Um, it's There's a $598.45 based on the current uh, contracted amount uh, that is falling off next year. Yeah, that's a lot of cap space. This, there's more cap space this free agent or you know this one coming up in 23 than there was last year and uh, that's probably a good thing considering that we're talking name on name on name on name like let's just go through the top 10 based on projections that we've been using for this season the top 10 pitchers in that free agency class Corbin Burns, Jacob DeGrom, Aaron Nola, Lucas Giolito, Brandon Woodruff, Chris Sale, Jose Barrios, Clayton Kershaw, Zach Gallen, and Max Free. That's that's a lot of a lot of oomph. And that list can keep going for a while. But then you go look at the hitters too, and it's it's no joke either. Mookie Betts, Mike Trouts, Joe Ram, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Bryce Harper, Anthony Rendon, 
Jose Altuve, Chris Bryant, Manny Machado. I mean, and that that list also keeps going on. Like I see way down the page there, like Nolan Arenado and other things. Aaron Judge. I mean, there's a lot of guys to be had this next offseason. We might have to call this the Great Reset. We'll see. Uh, there's a lot of dudes coming. Uh, you know, this is at the end of, of that first big free agency, I think, where all those contracts are finally coming off. And uh, there's a lot of teams with cap. And there's a lot of teams, I think, uh, with, uh, who had the most? I think Simcoe uh, is what we determined. So Simcoe has basically nomination advantage. Of course, most of those guys are only 25%, but he does get that that benefit if he wants to run it back again, depending on how his results go. But then Cole, all that dead money falls off, and he's only 50 cents behind him with $79.25 to go make plays to pair up with all that young talent and all super cheap young uh, stuff on his rookie deals. Yeah, I'm sitting in the in the shithole uh, with the least amount of cap next year at $36. So um, that's our range from 36 to 7975 yeah. um, There's $733.80 in cap space um, that is freed up for next year. I think the average cap space for all of these guys, I was just going to pull it up to look at it because it looks to be somewhere in the 40s, uh, is actually $52. So... Um, I think that's being, uh, you know, it's a little strewed because of those two guys up in the almost $80 range. Most everyone that I see sits in the 40s. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. There's a few, like Brooklyn gets a big reset next year. It's the first time this guy will have cap space in a decade, it feels like. So he'll get to do a bunch of stuff. And Chicago, a team who crushed it this year uh, on paper, uh, is going to have a bunch of stuff to keep his window going. So I think the air the, the was definitely up for the commies. Yeah. And, you know, the I think the, the biggest insanity here is Amherst, who's got $22.50 of expiring contracts, yep. um, but uh, $79.25 of cap space. Um, that is the twenty two fifty is expiring free agent contracts. Uh, the rest of those are all that um, retention. And DFA. And DFA. Yeah. So um, it's, it's going to be a, a bumper year. He finally gets to add some uh, big boys in with his uh, his children. I'm excited because this is going to be one of those hopefully in-person events. Um, I, it's cool that this is going to be this Mondo free agency, and we hope to get everybody back together in Texas, hopefully at, at you know wherever we can make this work. Hopefully maybe Zach's parents would be gracious enough to allow us to use that again, uh, or you know we rent a big Airbnb or whatever we do. Uh, this uh, this this is a free agency for the return for all of us to get back together now that you know, I think we've all been uh, pretty much tired of COVID at this point and things have settled down and it's not so much of a big deal as it as it once was. Uh, this will be fun. This will be a great event and there's going to be a lot of guys to go through. I don't think we've had this many contracts expire. We've had tons of free agents, of course, but we've never had this many that were under contract. Uh, that we're coming off. So this will be great. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, for sure. This is uh, yeah, a lot of beasts uh, coming off. You know, you were able to hold off and you had a lot of those one-year contracts. Um, you know, uh, we've got uh, Princeton and uh, you are leading the number of uh, free agent uh, contracts that are ending with 15 apiece. Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, Chicago with 13, Simcoe with 12. Uh, everybody else has uh, less than... Uh, less than well Dallas is at 11 so yeah everybody else is, is less than 10 so it's a uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting time uh, and you know those numbers I'm sure will will shake up with trades and everything 
uh, this season. Do you um, think? Do you think because of this free agency that that we could see an issue with with deals that have excess years on them being less valuable? Like being able to trade a guy with multi years could become problematic, knowing what what comes in free agency. Uh, you know, it's possible for sure. Um, but honestly, I think it's just going to uh, make everybody. We're going to have a lot of three-year deals, yeah. and we're going to have a lot of pieces after um, 2023 um, that are going to be, you know, people are just aren't going to want to give them up. Yeah, we're, you know, I the, the one other comment that I'll say about this that I noticed is that outside of, um, the, you know, typically on any given year, it's that big RFA guy that comes in at 100%. When I look at this list, those are not the prevalent names. There are a couple that are intri- intriguing, like Larice Robert and um, like a Dustin May. Um, but for the most part, like these are these are just the known commodity studs. It's just, I think it's going to be a different free agency that we've than what we've had. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, we've got, let's see here. Uh, 17 points and above projected there are at least 10 <laughs> yeah there's there's 10 of them uh when in in pitchers uh when we get down to the hitters um let's see here we've got um uh, at least three points or above uh 36 right there yeah, yeah. 36 <laughs> i mean that's insane yeah. um you know you add any of those to your team and you're automatically in a good spot yeah i'm looking forward to that one for sure. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. Um, we hope uh, you enjoyed the information that we were able to share with you. We will put this out for consumption. Yes. If we haven't mentioned it before. Well, uh, I'll make sure that this gets shared uh, after the podcast is released so that you all can come in and take a look at what we've done here as well. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. And uh, remember, that's the way baseball go. One hit. That's all. We got one goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Shout out Daisy the dog.